0: Hello, bike fans, and welcome to the Bikes for Death podcast. My name is Patrick, and I am your host. And today on the show, we have Drew Eckelberger, who goes by Nightmare the Rusty Robot on Instagram. I first found out about Drew um, from my friend Tom Hughes that I raced the Grand Gravel Five Hundred with, which I'm actually about to um, take part in, in, like ten days from now. And I'm not really ready, but that's okay. I first found out about Drew from Tom and he told me, he's like, dude, you should check this guy out. He is riding the entire circumference of the United States and will be taking the Southern tier route, which if you've been listening, you'll know goes like 20 miles past my house. So whenever I know somebody who's going to be on the Southern tier, I always try to be a warm shower host cook him some good food, give him a shower, place to sleep, all that jazz, and I also try to hit him up for an interview. So ever since I heard about Drew, I've been watching his progress on Instagram, and he was doing very, very well until he got to Austin, and he just stopped. And I really wanted to interview him at my house. I wanted to do the whole you know, go pick him up and cook for him and give him a nice spot and chat with him and all that. Uh, but he just kind of stalled out in Austin. So when I was there a month ago uh, conducting some interviews, I was like, all right, well, I guess this guy's never actually going to make it to College Station. So I'll just go to Austin and interview him there. Anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun to catch up with him finally. It's kind of been funny. It's a long time in the making. Uh, And let me tell you, this guy has stories for days. I mean, he's gone so many places. He's ridden his bike, and he hasn't just like gone spot to spot. He's found experiences and people and opportunities along the way. And all of those just lead to stories, and this guy's got a lot of them. So I appreciate him taking the time to sit down with me at a park bench at McKinney Falls State Park in Austin, Texas. Uh, The birds were chirping. It was a beautiful day, and it was a great opportunity to have a conversation with somebody who I'd followed for a long time, but just got an opportunity to finally talk to in real life. So I hope you enjoy it. It starts off with a bang, but before we get to the episode, let me remind you that this show is 100% listener supported. There are no advertisers. There's nobody between me and you. It's just me talking to people, sharing their stories in the hope that you will enjoy them. You will be inspired and you'll get outside and you ride your damn bike. If you've been enjoying the show, do me a huge favor, head over to com. There's lots of ways you can support the show. The main one is Patreon, and I've just released a new Patreon-only podcast called Shifting Gears. Right now, the format of that show is me just recording an audio journal of my experience training for that event, and then I'm also going to take that audio journal along with me on the Grand Gravel 500 that kicks off in 10 days from now and just going to be sharing what I'm going through. Uh, I I don't know. I'm just going to be talking to the microphone about uh, whatever the hell I'm thinking, whatever's happening, whatever does happen, uh, where I sleep, why I make the decisions I do. Um, It should be a good time. If you're interested in that and you think you might uh, get something out of it, Uh, It's available on Patreon right now. There's already three episodes out. I'm about to release the fourth. You can access it for only a dollar a month. Please do me a huge favor. Head over to Bikes for Death. Support the show on Patreon. Send a donation on PayPal. Enter the raffle for the Vanner Death Drive. Or buy some merch. Support the show. Rep it. Let your friends know what's up. No matter how you choose to support the show, it is greatly appreciated. And lastly, as always, if you could do me a huge favor, head over to iTunes, review the show, and don't forget, five stars is the best. I appreciate it so much. I'm looking forward to this episode, and I hope you are too, so let's quit the shit and get right to it. You load
1: up your bike, you ride away from home could be with your friends or you could be alone. You ride for a day or maybe more. You just love being in the great outdoors. Everything you need is strapped to your bars, including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus. And then you think, oh shit to yourself. You left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf. Bikes. Oh death.
0: We are
2: now okay cool yeah I don't know just I guess you could kind of test the levels through this or whatever but the other day I started like this like nine to five Monday through Friday job and I'm like what the fuck am I doing like how do I did I get here I don't really like really believe in this place and then it's like okay well I'm at this point in my life where like you know I gotta just do what I gotta do for the moment but I started thinking about like because they were like, oh, yeah, he was like some nomad. Da, da, da. So I li- thinking about all these different places I'd slept and like listing them off. Like I was going to write a list of like most random places I ever slept.
0: Oh, yeah. I saw that on Instagram. And I
2: started putting it together. And then as I was reading it to myself, I'm like falling asleep. I'm like, I could like make something out of this. And so I've only actually haven't even read this out loud. I just wrote it the other night And it's still rough It still (laughs) needs to be edited But I feel like this kind of Encapsulates A lot of the like Narrative or inspiration I want to capture By documenting bicycle touring Yeah So uh Hit me man Yeah, It's gonna be I've slept on the beach I've slept on a mountain I've slept in a cave I've slept by a fountain I've slept in a park in the dark till the day when the rangers they asked me to please go away. I've slept in a hut and a shack and out back of all different places all over the map. I've slept in a canyon on capes on cliffs and on coves. I've slept with one eye open I've slept on my toes. I've even slept in a ditch on the side of the road and here's a fun fact that'll surely top that. One time I laid flat between two haystacks. I've slept with a dog, I've slept with a cat. I've slept with my shoes on, I've slept in a hat. I've slept with a blanket. I've slept with a blanket, I've slept in a bag. I've slept in a bunk with my name on a tag. I've slept by a river, I've slept by a peak, a canal, an ocean, a lake and a creek. I've slept by some corn, I've slept by some soy. i slept by a cactus that brought me much joy. I've slept in the rain, I've slept in the snow. I've slept in the desert when the moon was aglow. I've slept in a barn, I've slept in a house, I've slept on a bed in the arm of a couch. I've slept under roofs and slept under stars, slept on a rug and slept behind bars. Slept in a tent, a hammock, a yurt, a bivy, a cabin, a mansion, the dirt. On this, in that, under, behind, this, that, and the other, and must I remind, you that it's true I did not spend a dime on any of all not one single time (laughs) nice and then and then I was like I've ridden and so I kind of branched off I was like I've ridden yeah I I could keep going no that's I mean that's honestly that was really uh
0: I enjoyed that I mean that really uh spoke to me and I it resonated with me so what uh the, what, what I thought was interesting is you're talking about all the places you slept And that's all, literally all true Like I have photographs oh, I and videos yeah. No, I don't doubt it I mean, you can tell just, by the way it's written Like you're you're conjuring uh, experiences from your past, you know But that's just the places you've slept It doesn't even tell the story of yeah, all yeah. the places Or all the ways that you got to all those different places, you know
2: And then here's the, the part two Is this, uh, are these levels good here? Yeah So
0: This fucking thing, hold on
2: Huh. Little microphone issues here people. There you go. Okay. Uh and then I, I want to go into like all the things that I've eaten and all the people <laughs> that I've met or like I didn't really necessarily say like the places that I've been just the places that I slept. Uh so then I had and so then I I went to the bicycle advisory council meeting at City Hall the other night and like towards the tail end of it I kind of started zoning out a little bit just like I would always do in school like when I'm sitting somewhere and just like branch off on like some tangent. Those are tough. And uh this is what I what came out of it is uh I've ridden through tunnels, I've ridden on bridges, I've ridden on causeways, I've ridden on ridges. I've ridden in hailstorms, I've ridden through ditches, I've ridden so hard sweat salt seeped through my britches. I've ridden cross plains through prairies and passes. I've ridden through hot tar that smelled of molasses. I've ridden on concrete, dirt, sand and gravel. Asphalt and blacktop with sores on my saddle. I've ridden on sidewalks, on trails, and on streets. Through cities, counties, states, and countries. Small towns and townships and wide open spaces. Major metropolises and great big urban places. I've ridden in snow. I've ridden in rain. I've ridden with a squeaky, annoying, dry chain. I've ridden while bonking on slow-leaking tires, while cars were honking while changing my wires, or cables, or brake pads that snapped or burnt out, while smoking a spliff with sunflower seeds in my mouth. I've ridden when it's sad, I ride when I'm happy, ride when I'm clean, or when my hair is nappy. Doesn't matter the place, the time, or condition. It's not an obsession or some type of addiction. My bike is my therapist and my prescription, my transport, my workout, my place to escape. I feel I can fly as my wheels, they rotate on the ground beneath me, wherever I go. One day I will show you when I have my own show, just all the places my bike, it will go. There are few limits preventing its motion. Those who disagree, their minds are not open. And that's... That's all that I have at the moment, dude. That's so, so good. And I need to
0: cut it down and like. No, jam, you know. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and that is <laughs> Drew. <laughs> that's a that's a hell of an introduction, my friend. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a little over the top. all the time. I, I no, I mean honestly, like there's some really good shit in there. I uh, I wanna one a couple things stood out to
2: me. One, I noticed you spent the night in jail. Well, you know what's funny? Everything is true, but. That's the <laughs> I only. I picked out the, the one thing. That's the only line. That I was like, it really fits so well, but it's like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day I'll have to just like get locked up and spend yeah. the night. We but could I, probably make that happen. But the tonight. thing is, in a I I was actually having this conversation, uh, like with myself, and it's on technicality. I have slept behind multiple bars, like restaurant, like a bar. Yeah, slept behind yeah. bars. Yeah. So, I, I it's I'll, give I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. No, I mean you know, I, you're, I, I you're the artist,
0: so you get that liberty to you know that's what the song is.
2: Sure, sure.
0: All right. So the other one that stood out to me and uh, was like how your bike is everything. It's your therapist. It's your doctor. It's your transportation. That's dude. That is it. That's and, like hitting the nail on the head right there.
2: I like. I mean, the bicycle, in my opinion, is is the greatest invention. Of all time, you know, like I don't remember who, argue who, who, with <laughs> who said it, but it's—I want to say it was like Ernest Hemingway or something. It's like a, the bicycle is a, is a peculiar uh, object. It's—it's it's passenger is also its motor.
1: Oh, yeah. For and
2: sure. you know, like it, for me, like like my bike is a spaceship. My bike is an extension of my personality. Me and my bike, like we are one like the big about the royal we <laughs> like in in my writing i'll refer to we like speaking as me and my bike as For one sure. unit
0: yeah we've talked about this before on the show i mean you you become almost in a relationship with your oh, bike yeah. and it, it represents a, an extension of like your personality your sure. style the type of riding you like to do 100%. you know and and all that other stuff about just like the mental health aspect of it absolutely and the physical health and uh, I mean, all the the environmental benefits of riding a bicycle. So, yeah,
2: good stuff. And I mean, you know, I need I need it for my sanity. Like for sure. Just Most now of us having that do this, I believe, city, are like... a little
0: bit crazy, and oh. do it because we're just keeping the devils at bay.
2: Absolutely. I mean,
0: I got. I mean, speaking about being in jail, uh, I've, I think I've mentioned this before, but like, I've been in jail a few times for for drug use, like growing okay. up, and at the age of 21 is whenever I kind of, well, I didn't kind of, but I, I was in jail and I was like, fuck Mm. this. I'm ready to, I'm ready to like actually do something with my life. Totally. And I moved and just started over. And the first thing I did is I got on my bike and started riding, you know, and, uh, and that, and that leads me to today. Like it, it got me everywhere all the way from like a serious drug user. Sure. Um, with, you know, criminal charges and all kinds of fun stuff. It took me from that guy mm-hmm. to, you know, I, I I do stuff now. I have a family. Right. I have kids. Yeah. You know, I, I gotta have house, a, job. You a job. I remember a, yeah, you're I mean, a I member do the thing. The cycling community
2: that hosts a platform for, you know, yeah. engagement. Yeah,
0: I've actually you know and, connection. I, and, and I did it I you know and I'm not being uh it became my drug. It became my new oh, focus. Yeah. I mean if you're addicted to a substance it's it's consuming a lot of your life. So mm-hmm. where do you go when you take that away? And, and that was a question I had to answer. What am I gonna do with my time?
2: Right. And yeah, that's the thing is how do you use your time? Like it, in I, bike touring, I feel is is a substance. Like the feeling. Yeah, the for sure, afford, it's like a drug. The, it, is, it is a drug, 100%. <laughs> like you can't replicate going somewhere you've never been before and meeting people you've never met before and just like being open and being in the moment and, and having that experience. Like The thrill of like going into like riding into the sunset and knowing you don't have to turn around and come back home and you don't (laughs) necessarily know where you're going to eat or where you're going to sleep or where you're going to end up. And it's like if my legs and my body feel good, I could I can keep going and ride as long as I want. Or if I want to cut it short, um, just talking to some locals outside of a gas station and somebody offers me a place to crash for the night, I'm totally taking them up on that.
0: So let's actually circle back and give yourself a little bit of a proper introduction okay, to yeah, yeah. how you got into cycling. I mean, I don't know where you want to start exactly, but um, at some point, obviously, you got pretty into cycling and yeah. decided to go on a crazy trip. Sure. And to take it back even one step further, I interviewed one of your friends. Tom. You did,
2: Tom Hughes, man. One he time was like Tom. number
0: uh, four or five on the podcast. Yeah, really early on.
2: And we were like, he was one of my like my best training buddies back at home. Like that yeah. dude, anytime so he time turned I would me do on to you, anything. he was
0: like, dude, you got to check out this guy. He's gonna be riding right by you. Yeah, I was like, and I love doing. I mean, my route or my house is right on the uh, Southern Tier route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and you, you are
2: a Warm Showers host. On yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: so. Uh, anyway, but you were going to be cruising
1: through, right? Right. Uh, eventually,
2: yeah.
0: Eventually, so made it there. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to come to Austin to interview you. Right. Right. So yeah, man, um, tell, give us a little background so, on that.
2: I mean, like bikes, bikes have always been a part of my life. You know, as a kid growing up, but it was you know department store bikes, Huffies and Schwinn's and mongoose, and I never really considered myself like a cyclist. You know, it was just like you, you rode your bike places like, to school to work that type of stuff just like in the neighborhood um and then you know after high school in college I went to a commuter school so I spent a lot of time going back and forth uh in the car on the highway like 30 minutes each way each day
0: and where's home
2: uh Louisville Kentucky yeah and so I went to school at Indiana University Southeast which is like a small regional branch campus of uh, Indiana University just across the Ohio River in southern Indiana and New Albany and uh I got into mountain biking while I was in college and, you know, got, like, a rigid frame, like, 26-inch Diamondback from, like, Dick Sporting Goods and uh, just would would ride the local trails in Cherokee Park. And I ended up, you know, breaking my wrist, my elbow, a couple of ribs. I was always injuring myself on the mountain bike and, you know— it was always in some various state of disrepair, and I'd kind of like fall from
0: in. from clumsiness, or from from
2: clumsiness <laughs> from being a bad mechanic, from not doing preventative maintenance, uh, yeah. from just you know, not really. I guess respect. I didn't know if you were
0: like going hard. Like, oh, I mean, taking, I was trying to go hard. Yeah. I
2: got into Strava. I was trying to catch those KOMs, oh, sure. yeah. and like, I was there. Oh, I got PR on No Net, whatever, yeah. Cherokee Park. Yeah, um, and then uh, it was the summer after I had graduated from college and I I've worked as I worked as a swim instructor and a lifeguard and a swim coach like all through high school all through Mm. college like ran a swim academy did small group private lessons uh, emergency life survival yeah I I was a sprinter growing up like swimming (laughs) but and then I get into long distance well that's sure it's complete complete opposite ends of the spectrum but physiologically like I'm not you know I'm 5'7 you know I carry all my weight in my gut like I'm not in any way shape or form it just naturally physically gifted like the swimmers were yeah but so yeah you can't do teach whatever sure but uh so this this summer I decided I'm gonna ride my bike to work and bring my lunch from home every day for the whole summer okay and this is summer 2014 gotcha so I take my dad's old 1987 how far is that to work yeah um it was only like three and a half, four miles maybe okay. each way.
0: It was just making a good habit of riding your bike yeah, every day. And it was
2: like, you know, save money, get in shape, save the environment, you know, create a, a routine exercise
1: yeah.
2: and for all the kind of the generic commuter cliche reasons. And I ended up restoring my dad's bike and started riding it. And then it was like, oh, man, I'm going to ride 10 miles. Or, I'm going to ride 15 miles, or, I'm going to ride 20 miles or 20 miles. I'm going to go to a different neighborhood. I'm going to go <laughs> to a different town. Just, like, just go explode. Just go get lost. Yeah. And I started kind of getting addicted to it. And a friend of mine uh, was delivering sandwiches for Jimmy John's downtown. And was nice. like, hey, man, we need riders if you want to pick up some extra miles. And so I end up start doing that. Um, And I was, was, like, filming and documenting, like, my travels and the places I was going. And it'd come up, like with this, you know, I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Like my ex had moved cross country <laughs> to San Francisco, taking this job. Like all my friends were like, you know, going to master's or PhD programs or getting married or having kids and buying houses. And I'm like, I, I still had no clue. Like what I, what I really wanted to do. Like I wanted yeah. to be a researcher. I studied psychology. I studied journalism You know, I wanted to write. And then like, yeah. I kind of got like just burnt out on, the rigor and the structure and it's like you know I just really want to like ride my bike and go swimming it's like I want to just ride my bike to all the coolest swimming holes in America and film it and document it and then like have my own travel show like pedals and pools spinning and swimming really yeah you thought this through curated content where we would highlight the best destination routes from like say like a major urban area through some small wide open spaces public lands small towns to hit these like quarries or cenotes or you know little coves or whatever and stop and take a break and go swim or camp and then kind of highlight different plant animal species historically significant culturally iconic things that happen I like network plug local businesses talk about you know indigenous culture anything that's kind of swept under the rug like the lich the niche little corner hole in the walls of like regional subcultures that maybe nobody's ever heard of and then like interact with these artist communities and kind of have give them a platform to tell their story you know almost in like kind of a gonzo journalistic style way uh like hunter Dude, s- you've thought this through man yeah so hunter s thompson went to is from louisville kentucky we went to the mm-hmm. same high school we yeah. wrote on the same school newspaper so some of the kind of like you know documentation throughout the bike tour as i've been going um you know is kind of an accumulation for a larger like novel just the story like you know one hopeless romantic never-ending bike tour randomly stumbling into these places and meeting these people and then having these small world full circle overlapping connections but i feel like i've gotten way off uh from where we were <laughs> well it's very easy for me to do that yeah,
0: that's fine i have add so like, like i i specialize me. in rabbit holes right so but i mean how did that we were talking about so, how you started in like you
2: obviously yeah. thought this through and we're gonna like so is, the, is that how you started well so what basically what happened was it was that summer and i'm at this music festival in downtown louisville forecastle with like all my best friends and family and just like one of those moments where I kind of realized like like everything's changing like it's not always going to be like this like what am like what am I going to do like what do I really want to do in life like how like why would I like wait like I should just do it now and I had this idea and I was like I'm gonna ride my bike across the country I'm gonna write a book about it and I'm gonna use that to like build a brand and then pitch this concept Hmm. and i had told him. how old were you then i was 23 at the time yeah oh. that sounds right yeah <laughs> i was 23 at the time this was 2014 and so then that like completely changed my life like i wanted to do it on my dad's old 87 french road racing bike and everyone was like "Nah, dude don't do that <laughs> and uh so i i i got you know i got the second job as the bike messenger and i'm teaching coaching uh and just working, like, two jobs, six days a week, and also blowing glass on the side, selling jewelry to galleries, pipes to head shops, and yeah, doing hustling. custom work. And You're a hustler. You know, all types of stuff. And uh, I just, I saved up a bunch of money, and then that, that following summer, uh, I was going to leave on this trip where I was, my plan was to, like, go to Mount Rushmore, and then go all the way to Canada, and then go all the way down to Mexico, and then go down to Key West, and then all the way back up, And, like, just basically circumnavigate, like, the perimeter of the country. And at the time, I was rapping uh, in this funk band with all, like, my childhood best friends. And we'd kind of slowly been growing more and more. uh, The producer, like, the kind of head guy, uh, Dr. Dundiff, had collaborated with all these other musicians in town. And had lobbied, or, like, kind of, like, just basically had everyone to call in the radio station and email and start a little hashtag campaign Mm -hmm. to get more, like, local hip hop representation at this festival because you know you have like Outkast and these huge acts but there's no there's no local rappers not yeah. even one on the bill so he's like look I've, I've worked with all these people i'm i have a band teach the band to play all their songs and then one by one i'll like slowly introduce each one and it'll be like a big like louisville hip hop expose and i remember when we were in the crowd that that previous year i when i had that thought that like moment of epiphany i was like this is what i really want to do with my life that really like in in that moment completely changed the entire course of my life.
0: The hip hop or the cycling?
2: Like when I decided to ride my bike across the country, I'm standing next to my best friend Roman and I tell him, I was like, I'm gonna ride my bike across the country. And he looks me square in the eye and said, next year we are going to be on that stage. And it's literally like weeks before I plan to depart for this huge trip in the summer of 2015. Okay. I'd gone I got the camping gear all this used you know like last model year model and my friends worked at the camping store and they got bought it with their discount and pieced together borrowed stuff I did finally go out and get a good bike from on your left cycles a 2015 double budded chromoly steel Kona Sutra and they got a bike fit had it outfit with all the Ortlie bags and really tried to like do it right like if I'm going to invest in it like, yeah go go through and you know really make it happen and Rama hits me up dude we we got the gig so I'm like fuck man like I've been playing and all this shit but it's like I I don't want to miss out on that opportunity as well yeah like when else am I gonna have the chance to do this right like and yeah you could wait a year and go cycle I I had like I was so ready I was so hyped you know like I'm not gonna argue with you and go ride your so, damn bike so what I ended up doing was instead of doing that big west coast trip I just was like I'm gonna ride to Niagara Falls so I go through Cincinnati to, and I'd never done it overnight before I'd never ridden a fully I was loaded touring bike yeah. before my first day I didn't even leave until like later in the day cause I'm always running around like chicken in my head going, <laughs> like, You know, don't sleep the night before like get sick or like always this like pre-nervous like departure in any city that I've spent on an extended period of time when I go to leave like same thing Whoa, every time yeah. it's like super imagine. emotionally taxing like yeah. I feel like more are so you like the physical side of things when,
0: when you're out there for extended period of times I've never toured before for an extended time so sure I, I, I'm it's something I would love to do and I'm interested in but like when you're out there for that long of a period of time are you like seeking home do you get like lonely to where like when there, you get to a spot you're like oh man I just want to like hang out here for a little bit
2: that that has definitely happened like the first tour I think it was, it was 46 days is like average of like 75 miles a day that's solid for like six and a half weeks and yeah. so I did 14 states Canada and DC
0: yeah that sounds like you're boogieing
2: so I went Cincy Columbus Cleveland Buffalo Niagara Falls Toronto and then crossed the Erie Canal through Vermont New Hampshire to Boston, and then down through Connecticut, Providence, Connecticut, to New York City, and then down to Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C., and then through Pittsburgh, took the C&O and the Gap, and then wiggled back through Ohio. And, I, you know, I promised uh, my ex I'd make it home for her 25th birthday. <laughs> I got home, like, 25 minutes before she turned 25. <laughs> but, but, oh, she wasn't worried, and, I'm sure. And then, and then it was a week before the show. And then it was one year to the day. Exactly. I thought you were going
0: to say you started on that trip and you never went back. No, like you went back. My plan, no,
2: because that's what I wanted to come back for the show. Yeah. Like I still wanted to do it. So I did like 3,100 miles with like, it was like 87,000 feet of climb. And, and I really crammed it all in. And I was just winging at it. I'd never used an ACA map. I was just like Google Jesus. Maps, just doing Google Maps. And yeah. sometimes it would completely lead you astray. Oh, yeah. And I was, you know, sleeping off trails and back corners of farmland, and baseball dugouts, and you know, just you were waiting a lot of, the whole thing. Like, but a lot of people would take me in, and like somebody would always know somebody. And anytime I have the opportunity to connect with someone on social media, then someone's always got a cousin somewhere, or like their high school best friend, or their college roommate, or aunt yeah. or uncle. And so I've stayed with random like people who I just know through Instagram, who like had a friend in this town and told him that what i was doing that i could crash and stuff like that yeah um that doesn't surprise me honestly because
0: like you put enough stuff on social right like I, i'm meeting you for the first time but yeah sure. i mean it's like i i know you to an extent <laughs> because you i mean i follow you on social it's such a weird thing I, it I'm is so weird when you meet at,
2: somebody that you know that like, you're like oh i've, I've seen them yeah. on the internet but i don't really know of. Like, no, you're like nervous you're you like, kind of how do i approach you i'm like, not nervous but you're know. like no i mean like <laughs> No, like I'm, not I'm not nervous, nervous. You're nervous. You. <laughs> no, I'm shaking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it is It is a weird day and age. Yeah. Like, especially. How, you're 29, that, right? Almost, yeah. I'm 28. Yeah. I'm 29 Dude, I'm, in, in yeah, about I'm, a month. I'm
0: 39. Okay. And about to be 40 in like a couple of weeks. Uh, and I, so I didn't get the internet, the internet yeah. until I was 15 and a cell phone until I was like 20 or something. Yeah, yeah. I had a pager, man. I had a fucking pager. So, yeah, my point is, it's just weird. Totally. It's, it's cool, though. It is actually cool because you almost vet people a little bit. It's like dating. You know, it's like, would I want to hang out with that guy yeah. or that girl? You know, it's like, I don't know. No. Nah. Sure. I mean, you're camping here tonight. I feel like it's going to go fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking so of camping, I got I got a story to tell you real quick. <laughs> oh, then, dude, absolutely. And then we'll segue back. But I I meant to bring this up at the beginning. All right, so I leave uh, my house uh yesterday about i don't know seven o'clock to drive to austin get here about like 9 30 and before i leave i go to the grocery store pick up a few necessities uh one of those being firewood mm-hmm. and i get all the way here i get my chairs set up i get my fire starter out and i'm like shit
1: you left I the wood at the grocery
0: left the wood uh, at the grocery, in the cart. Uh, I even grabbed it, and then I left it in the cart. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. A well, I moment. really wanted How much more fire. expensive
2: was it at the camp store? I
0: really, they don't have any here. They don't sell firewood here? They don't so have any. So what, you
2: had to go to the HEB on the side?
0: I went, I went for a drive, and I okay. went and when it got some. Oh, yeah, you had so, to go see but the Chumba this guys. story, this story continues. So, I get back last night, I have a nice little fire, and then today I go visit Chumba, and mm-hmm. whenever I get back, I had two bundles of wood over there. I get back, and they're gone
1: what i'm like you've got like somebody stole your wood someone
0: stole my wood i'm like i was thinking about even posting about it on instagram like come on austin you're letting me down you know all right but then i go over and look at that firebox and it's shoveled out i'm like wait a second the the criminals didn't take my wood and shovel out the contents you know and like clean it up it's like i bet it was a park ranger do they just move it somewhere and so i called the front desk and like 15 minutes later a park ranger brought my wood back I'm sorry <laughs> he's like man i'm sorry to keep they, cost down. they well they i mean people i leave it here like if i don't right. use it i'll just leave it there and that's what he thought Fair he enough. was just going around doing his rounds uh but long story short i've had a uh eventful fire uh, or firewood uh, last couple of days, but we are going to be just fine tonight. Ranger, I don't know, Dan saved the day. All right, Dan. Yeah. Shout-outs to Dan. All right, so where were we? So you... I
2: think at this point, I would made it back after my first trip. We performed the festival. We get Jim James from My Morning Jacket to come perform with us. Really? And yeah, there's a there's, there's a music video on YouTube, yeah. Dr. Dundiff and Friends. Yeah. We're going to need like those A-E-I-O-U things you put at the
0: bottom Link of a it. research paper. Yes, like, uh, the citation. The citation, yeah. We're going to need citations on this. <laughs> was I, Outcast there? Uh, not that
2: year. That was the year before. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, my Morning Jacket was one of the headliners oh, that I love them, year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're a Louisville, Kentucky band. Actually, Are they? Actually, Jim was my neighbor growing up. Shit. So he would, uh, he would come by and pet my dog. I almost ran him over one day on Christmas morning. <laughs> I was backing out of my driveway oh, in my Volvo <laughs> and I look over and uh, there he is just like, you know, walking the dog with his with his family and around the block after like Christmas brunch or whatever, his hair blowing in the wind like a rock star. That's and another
0: reason you should be riding your bike. Yeah. You don't run God, people Jesus over and kill them when you're on your bike.
2: Yeah, I mean, the irony in, in everything that I feel and believe like that would be that'd be horrible. Right,
0: <laughs> I as 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 a whenever as a cyclist, yeah, I think the worst thing possible is that you hit another cyclist when you're driving. Oh. That Dude, is like,
2: I'm I'm nervous. Like I, hate, I I don't really like driving. Like I like I no. I had a car. Yeah, I haven't used it in years. I mean, I've been on my bike, you know, since 2017 of May when I left home for the last time, and I haven't had a car the whole time. I've just gone yeah. everywhere. It's nerve-wracking. It, it stresses me out Yeah, being in a car. Well, it like, gives I, you such I'm, a great
0: perspective and, being a cyclist and having all the cars and you realize how fast they're going and how fucking chaotic it is. You don't
2: need to go that fast. Like no. why, why? Why I would drive you? slow, man. And, and the thing is, like, a bicycle is the best way to, like, interact with your environment, whether it's, like, an urban fabric or, like, just an outdoors space. You know, like— you move at a slow enough pace that you can actually process it and take it all in and like feel and see and hear everything around you. Or when you're like flying through life in a, you know, climate controlled cabin, it's, it's not the same, you know? Yeah. It's not the same. And it's also dangerous. Like they,
0: they are, it's just dangerous. It's a big heavy thing going down a tiny
2: road at what 55, 70, whatever miles an hour. Right. And I've dealt with so many, you know, going up mountain passes with no guardrail, with potholes with debris and crosswinds and heavy logging truck traffic coming around blind curves on, you know, 15% gradient climbs or descents. And, you know, that's one thing. But just being in a city with distracted drivers. I I got hit by a car the other day in the bike lane. Yeah. I didn't really – I didn't, like, post about it or make a thing because, like, I was fine. My bike was fine. I got real fucking pissed at the driver. I'm like – in the bike lane going south and they right hooked me thankfully it was low speed but it was raining I put on the brakes you know I got disc brakes but still you know skid a bit and you know I just kind of hit the back of their car but then when they turn they continue going and I jump off the bike and I chase after them and I'm like what the fuck like and I knew I was fine like I took a picture and I was running late so I like got it and then I later looked at the picture and I'd like moved my phone it was just like a blur of the The ground so I didn't have the license plate (laughs) cool but Everything was fine, but, I mean, being in all these different cities and seeing the designs of them and what works, and cities are really, like, dictated by the landscape. Yeah. And so that's, you know, adapted to that. And, like, Austin, for example, was was never made to be a big city. Like, its original master plan has sprawled so beyond it. And they're doing all of these things to allow more motor vehicle traffic
0: they're doing a double-decker highway. It's right oh, underground.
2: It. And it's all private, too. That's the thing is they're going to be all toll roads. Oh. Yeah, so it's it, – because, like, it's, the state it's of Texas crazy isn't, though, for, isn't like, it? private isn't contractors. It crazy? It's
0: a very Texas ideology. And though. have you heard of uh, – well, Elon Musk in L.A., he's doing
2: underground ta- tunnels. Well, I mean, somebody has to. <laughs> if, if they're not going to, like, we're so far behind with our public transit. And the more I've, like – I don't know. My my girlfriend, she's an architect. She's an urban designer. So Mm -hmm. she's going to school, doing her master's at University of Texas. And I've always been Mm -hmm. into that kind of like functionality of like how the infrastructure works in that side of things and like signage. And then like, I mean, even just like the media, like when somebody dies on a bike, Mm -hmm. like it's an accident or it's a crash or like they're not like distracted driver kills innocent cyclist leaves behind family yeah you know it's always a tragedy but uh
0: that was killed about a year ago in february and uh locally you know and uh i got involved obviously and mm-hmm. there was some press and some meetings and sure. there was a lot of social media and all this kind of stuff and that's the thing that really shocked me was how little people just care about cyclists like, you
2: got to change the dialogue we like i don't know <laughs> it's, it, it frustrates me. Like it, it it angers me. Like, because to be honest, like that's one of my biggest fears. is like For I, sure. I, one day will be a ghost bike. I yeah. don't, you know, I don't want my mom to have to go visit my ghost bike. God, dude, no. So, and I want to be able to like explore, uh, you know, see the world through the lens of bicycle travel, right? And feel safe, and feel comfortable, and enjoy myself, and not. Let fear prevent me from doing something. I love that, but that's not reality right now. And that's the thing. That's why I'm like, I started going to these bicycle advisory council meetings just to see, like, what's actually happening. Like, how does this work behind right. the scenes? Who approves this or writes this policy that will allow you to redesign this dangerous, high, like, mortality? intersection or something like that or like i mean honestly like a dream job for me <clears throat> would be working for like the adventure cycling association or rails to trails conservancy as like an advocacy person who would go out into local communities where cross country bicycle networks pass through
1: hmm.
2: and engage with say the churches the firehouses the community centers the diner or whatever the motel or whatever it is and even people just to get, like, a bikes on road or be, like, you know, be aware, like, cyclists, uh, some signage or some Jeez. type of awareness to bring, you know, like, a sense of comfort that when you come in somewhere, you know that you're welcome. And it, it's not that, like, you have some big old truck. It's like, who the fuck is this? What are they doing in my town? You know, like, yeah. want to run you off the road. Shoulders would be nice. Yeah, shoulders are great.
0: Shoulders, I mean, just on, like... Shoulders also disappear sometimes. Well, that's what I'm saying, is non-disappearing shoulders would be nice.
2: And there are things (laughs) that could be done, like, as far as, like, on a cheaper scale you know maybe it won't provide as much protection well, the biggest but just...
0: one is distracted driving uh, oh, like for me? that's number one oh, i
2: have a question i have
0: a question sure i had this idea for an app like 10 years ago yeah i might as well just throw it out there because i'm Catch never gonna it. do anything
2: with it But somebody's wh- listening to this somebody millions of dollars to bring it to okay life.
0: yeah give me millions of dollars if you hear this
2: <laughs> give patrick all the money
0: okay so uh but the idea is like I don't understand why there isn't a function on your phone mm-hmm. that once you start going
2: prevents you from using it.
0: Uh, yeah. It just locks it. Like why when, I feel like there's so that exists, many deaths. Like... Oh, it's illegal, it's fucking stupid, and it's it's everywhere. It's grandma, yeah. it's grandpa, it's the You mean the on mom, their phone the while dad, they're driving. While they're driving on their phone. Their Uber I driver. Mean, Huh? Your Uber driver, like whoever. Yes.
2: The, I have there's a car commercial out right now that really irks me. Like <clears throat> basically the commercial premise is that like everybody's on their phone nowadays. <laughs> we know that you're texting and driving. Oh, we shit. don't care. We'll build a car that'll stop for you so you can continue doing that. Like instead of like okay. making it be like don't do this. This is dangerous. This is statistically proven to be more dangerous than drunk driving or sleep deprived driving or whatever. And they're like, it's just, (sighs) it's, it's literally the commercial is a bunch of people on their phones while they're driving and like almost hitting pedestrians and the car stopping. Ha
0: ha ha. That's so
2: funny. I'm like, I, I was just full of anger. It feels like, uh, I don't know if you know, Rachel Manny, she runs a bike law. It's like a, it's like a bicycle advocacy kind of Facebook community um, it's like, I totally feel like this is something that she would like get completely outraged with and like (laughs) write some huge thing (laughs) and call them out publicly and shame them. Like, you know, as I feel like as we showed as a society for, for shit like that, that like condones and allows that ideology to just be like, okay, because it's, it's deadly. It's fatal. Yeah. It's it's crazy, man. Well, speaking (coughs) of that, like.
0: Well, how, I guess my question is, in your travels and you've done, I don't know, how many miles have you ridden in the last five years, do you know? In
2: the last five years, what's five years ago, 2015. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've done about 30, so I started using Strava to record my data in I think 2014. And right now I think I have like 37,000 something miles on Strava okay so
0: I mean so 37,000 miles so the
2: circumference of the world at the equator is 24,901 miles so it's like one and a half times around the world but fully loaded like touring I'd say is somewhere in the like I've I've completely lost count but I'm gonna guess it's about half or slightly more than half of that
0: so what has been your your personal interaction with cars obviously you were just hit like a few days ago overall had, what has been your what, what what have you taken away like what have you learned
2: that you can't trust them you have to ride defensively like even like like i said in the bike lane i got hit yeah. and, and it could have happened in any any city i don't like hold austin accountable or anything there's like shitty that. drivers everywhere but It's a lot of it is, is in design, especially in like urban metropolitan areas and even in like rural areas too. speed limit lane size, whether there's a shoulder or not, you know, the type of traffic, like, cause you get these locals that
0: just blaze these roads every day and they know So those things you can't change. Not immediately. So how do you ride defensively?
2: I mean, I, oh, I, I actually brought some, I, uh, I have a lot of lights. I use uh, night rider lights yeah. and I usually have like three or four of them on the back and then reflective material. Um, I buy things that have reflective material I actually just got like a 48 foot roll of reflective tape. And that's went, all like, that. Yeah. Apeshit. And I brought the whole roll and some tape. If you want to you know like, that movie, Tron, you your back. Yeah. Well, you look I, like the guys from Tron, I saw which it, isn't a bad thing. Like, yeah. If somebody <laughs> comes up behind me, they will definitely see me. Like, you can't say you didn't see me. Like yeah, if, if you hit me and I have like five, like I got, I have a light on my helmet. I clip a light onto the rear middle pocket of my yeah. cycling Jersey. Usually clip a light on my saddle bag. And then I also have one on my non-drive side uh, seat, stay. seat stay that is the one closest to uh, the, the drive right. the lane. it would be past me on the left-hand side. And when I have uh, my rack and my you know panniers, and then I have one on the, on my rack as well, which I would move from my saddle bag. So I have multiple eye levels of light, and I set them at different speeds. And one of them even projects like you know. Little laser line bike lane oh, around me. Oh, you got me. that one? Yeah, I know that. Um, you know how many times have people reported you as a, a UFO? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not making least, fun of you. At least I, two I, or I think three. it's good. I, I really do. And, and
0: I, I i don't go to. I don't go the extent you do,
2: but. Um, and I'll I'll take the lane too. Like when I believe it's see, safe. And this good. is this is my ideology. Oh yeah. Specifically for that hmm. is. I ride just inside where the passenger side tire of a motor vehicle would theoretically be. Correct. So that forces that vehicle to get over into the oncoming lane to pass you yep. they cannot try to bottleneck you if you're riding the white line if you're riding on the shoulder if the shoulder is full of debris if the shoulder has a bunch of broken glass and nails and sharp metal and potholes and rumble strips exactly. and there's a drop Trash. off or like a jagged a couch barricade, uh, <laughs> garbage cans <laughs> parked cars delivery vehicles ups you know like right i'm totally with you um then i'm gonna be in the lane and so that way it forces that car to slow down and get over. And sometimes like Yeah, they
0: have an option. They either have to hit you yeah. or get over instead of trying to squeeze past. And and the other advantage of having them get over is that now the car behind them is seeing the car in front of them get over and it exposes you mm-hmm, so yeah. now the car behind them can see you too. Yeah. That's what happened to my friend that, that just died. It's the it was the car behind. There was a car in front mm-hmm. and I Okay, this and then is one an uno- car tried to
2: squeeze past.
0: I this is an unofficial story, I should say, but uh, what I heard mm-hmm. was, and the the guy behind him uh, was just getting over in the in the shoulder to like take a right hand turn, right? But he couldn't see. Uh, my friend because the car in front was blocking Okay, You know what I'm saying? So if you're in the lane then that car in front has to get around and now you have visibility. And that's the
2: thing is you you prevent that from happening by riding there. And people may say, you're an asshole. Why are you taking the lane? It's like, I'm taking the lane because I'm scared for my safety and I don't trust you. Yep. And I know that if I do the courteous thing for your convenience, yep. that could cost me my life. Right. And I'm not really willing to risk that. I would rather inconvenience you eight seconds. Statistically, a cyclist slows a motorist down an average of eight seconds. Yep. Your eight seconds is not worth my life. And it should, like, whatever the whatever you're doing, like, I'm always late to everything. <laughs> but, you know, eight seconds. Like, maybe it's a minute. It, all the you know for that instance it doesn't matter it's not it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's five minutes it's not you can you can be mad at me but like society has allowed you to think that you always have to be going fast and getting everywhere and being so efficient like you can't take a moment to slow down to like consider another human life like if i was in a slower moving vehicle you know you're like this fucking asshole or whatever but like it's like a different type of rage and they 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 target you i had a trucker in Montana once tell me that I was a liability to his career. Hmm.
0: And I was like, so so he, he said, pulled he said, over to have this conversation no, 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 with no, you. No, no, no.
2: He, okay. This is, I, I'm, I'll try and remain calm during this part, but okay. <laughs> he like what I call a punishment pass. Like, have you ever been coal rolled? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I live, live in Texas. Live in Texas man. I heard you, you, you wear camo. So they yeah, yeah, with that Yeah. Guy? Why, he looks the part, but he's on a bicycle. I don't understand what shit would do, Bubba. Dude, well, we can't was, cold roll him. He might shoot us. I was cracking up at that. You <laughs> had a shotgun mounted on the back of the Chumba. Yes. <laughs> um, and then, uh, no, he, he, like, I'm going up a pass and he's behind me. There's nobody around. There's a clear... It's not a, it's not a blind curve. There's no crest of anything. There's nobody in the oncoming lane. There's nobody behind him. He could have gone around me. Like, he had plenty of space. And he chose to, like, bottleneck try and squeeze me off the road... Like, maybe he was sending so, me like a message. Got like, got to the oh. side of you and, like, kind <clears> of... <throat> and then, like, revved his engine and cold-rolled me and, yeah. and did the whole thing. Like, yeah. you, like, you're not welcome here. You don't belong here. I'm going to send this message to you, and it's going to fill you with fear, and you're going to tell all your fucking cyclist buddies not to come around here because we don't want you on the road, and we'll fucking kill you. We'll run you off the road. Like, you don't... And, and I catch up with this motherfucker at the gas station, and he's, like, an old man. Oh, my gosh. And... I like, dude. You know, I roll into that gas station and I like throw my bike down and I like run up on this dude. Like I was about to straight up just fucking punch him right in the face. Like, and I was like, what the fuck was like, you had all the room in the world to get over. Like, why would you do that? Hmm. And his response was that I was like, he like, basically, he was like reaffirming my thoughts that he was telling me like, you don't like, this is my route. Don't get in the way of my route. And you know, like he says, I'm a I'm he's a I, I'm a liability to his career. And I'm like, you're you're a liability it's to my, my life. life. Yeah. yeah, like this is a job, dude. You can get another job. Like I don't get another life. You're in like this fucking twenty ton metal death box is like a semi. Yeah. And
0: Yeah, and it's frustrating, right? Because you're on that road because you have to be. You don't want and, to be on and, that road with that truck, but the infrastructure isn't there.
2: Yeah, and I, like, I, this is this was uh, U.S. Highway 2 in Montana going from Kalispell to Bitterroot. But I don't know. I don't want to spend the entire time expressing <laughs> my disdain and frustration with, like, the motor vehicle ideology yeah. and culture in this country.
1: Well, I, I want I to focus think...
2: on the fun— I don't think that that's some get out of bikes, but I feel like it's I an agree. important conversation. That's the thing
0: is like, if someone's going to go and look to embark on something like what you're doing, you have to understand the risk. Yeah. I think it's just important that you understand the risk period. And then, then it's up to you to make that decision. Right. And, and yeah. protect and yourself and ride it, defensively it, and all that a, stuff.
2: Yeah. Prepare appropriately. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. No, I think, I mean, it's, it's a, but it's a reality. So. Yeah. It's worth mentioning. All right, we can talk about the fun stuff now. So
2: I feel like I never No, we didn't never finished the longer backstory of how I ended up at this picnic table. Yeah, let's get back there. So I think I was back at home after my first tour where we left off. And so I was like, All right, I'd kinda of come to the realization that this is what I really wanted to do. I was like, how can I make like being like a full-time bike bum, a career, and you know, I I worked, I got into the fine dining industry, started like serving tables, and like worked my way into like a James Beard award-winning chef, like restaurant, and it's really good money, and just worked my ass off. You know, I got out of a six-year relationship. She kept the, you know, the house and all the furniture, and I moved home with my folks and. I took the cat, sold off all my stuff, packed up the rest and storage and, you know, I already had all the gear from the first trip, I just needed to like upgrade and modify and change a few things. And uh, What ended up happening was I I stayed home for about nine months or so until I was basically ready to launch and then I rode indy chicago milwaukee minneapolis badlands black hills forest mount rushmore crazy horse devil's tower jackson hall tetons yellowstone glacier north cascade san juan islands victoria vancouver bellingham seattle peninsula portland salem astoria oregon coast all the lighthouses northern california redwood forest uh san francisco you know la san diego tijuana rosarito Ensenada. Rosarito, Tijuana, San Diego, Phoenix, Grand Canyon, Tucson, Bisbee, Chiricahua Mountains, El Paso, Big Bend, Hill Country, Austin. Hello.
0: (laughs) And at a park bench at McKinney Falls State Park. McKinney Falls State Park. Having an interview.
2: Perfect. I've been here once, one time before. When I first got to Austin, I was like, I I wanted to do like, when I was, I I ended up working at the hostel and wanted to do the, like a. Like a bike tour tour guide type thing for the hostel but um you know people aren't prepared for that type of stuff <laughs> and th- this route like once you're here it's nice but to get to mckinney falls from austin is like the shittiest part of like long distance bike touring not to deter anybody from coming out here you should come out here it's it's worth it once you get here but leaving a entering or leaving a major metropolitan area like you're always like hyped to get there because you've got resources and you have mm-hmm. amenities after being out in the woods or in some small town, but it's always the most frustrating part because it's confusing the directions, you know, like uh, the infrastructure. Like you have all this construction, major roads. It's like and, sensory overload, man. And and then the, the stop and go traffic of the urban suburban sprawl and and all that type of stuff. So, uh, like the basically the whole ride to here is that. I did a ride to Palmetto State Park with Cycle East, uh, and we went through um Lockhart got barbecue did that whole thing doing gravel roads and stuff. Past here is like real nice like rural country farmland stuff like that. But just once you get here uh like getting here is just kind of a a little bit of a rough path. Yeah, when I was driving in I was like eh, I don't want to I don't want to ride here. Yeah. It's not <laughs> like that's the the one thing that's I don't know, I guess, but it's, it's the closest kind of access point to the city for a place like this Yeah, to have like some public land.
0: Oh, this is sweet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm set up I, here I, to do some interviews and
2: I yeah. want to go explore the park. Like just, there's a bunch of trails. Like, oh yeah. You look at the map. Them
0: I got, yeah. Yeah. They have, they have good trails here. So whenever you left on that trip, all those places you went, your route, was that all predetermined and how much of it just kind of happened on the fly?
2: So I knew I wanted to go, I wanted to ride to Wrigley, see a Cubs game. I wanted to go to Mount Rushmore, Crazy Horse, and Devil's Tower. I wanted to go to Yellowstone, see Old Faithful. People had talked about Glacier, talked about going to the Sun Road. And originally, I wanted to go all the way up through uh, Warrington, because it's an international peace park. It's on the U.S.-Canada border. Okay. As Big Bend is on the US Mexico border in Chihuahua. There's a bunch of protected land. could be an international beast park. The film uh, River in the Wall.
0: Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Oh my God,
2: dude. I went to the screening. I did too.
0: Yeah, I went in College Station. I went to, dude, I saw it at the... But it was a bummer
2: how they portrayed the bikes, right? They they like really were like bummed about the fact that they were on the bike. Oh this horse. I'm in Texas. I want to be on a horse. Yeah, I, I the dude really loved horses. Like all right, He I'll did too like I'm they, Kentucky. I love, okay, I so love we horses. should just say the the
0: film they It's they, an amazing film. They you focus it. on the border and basically everything on the border of the conflict. The culture,
2: the politics, the landscape, the ecology, animals, the, the plant and animal species. Yeah. And so
0: they explore it by uh, bike, by rafting and by hiking. Foot and you know, on a horseback on a horseback and sixteen hundred miles on the bike like and even whenever they were done with the documentary at the end they're like thank
1: god we were done with those bikes like, <laughs> yeah I, mean, on, was, I was like god
0: it was a great film but you didn't have to sh- shit on the bikes the whole time that was my only i've been masters that's my uh but that's I my had a lot of, like,
2: resonating frequencies like when i when it's i watched it they like it, the emotions that they experienced in that region it's so beautiful it's so remote it's so isolated like of all the places i've been Probably my two favorite national parks are Glacier and Big Bend. Oh, wow. Both of which exist on our borders. Yeah. And one is an international border that is, you know, you can go back and forth. Although when I was there, there were forest fires in Glacier and the border had burnt down. So I didn't get to cross it. That'll be bad. So I ended up detouring and taking the, that was the first time I used an Adventure Cycling Association map. Hmm. The local bike shop had the ACA maps, uh, Glacier Cyclery and whitefish and I did the last two sections in the northern tier and I was staying at a uh, the, I do the sensory deprivation tanks the float tanks you do uh, yeah there's an article on my website where I talk about like the benefits of it for like mental health as an athlete as an artist as uh, a writer
0: I know about it just from Joe Rogan he's he's it's, big on them. So. I'm, I'm very big on them yeah and I definitely there's want to a, check them out do they have them here in Austin?
2: there are several here in Austin I have not connected with any of them so, uh, I'm a glassblower. I made the owner of our local float tank uh, center a, a pipe and some ju- uh, some earrings for his mom and like a necklace pendant for his girlfriend in exchange for a f- free float to try it out. Hmm. And I really loved it. And then our local cycling club ride and fiden that always ends at this bar. Side and fiden's. Was after our weekly Wednesday night ride was there, and he pulls up on his Kona, and I'm on a, and we, he's got a Sutra, I've got, I was like, dude, we got the same bike, <laughs> and I just met him days before, and he was like, no way, like he's like, hey man, if you can like tell some of these guys about like the benefits of floating, send them my way, bring me some business, I'll, you know, I'll sponsor you, I'll hook you up with some free floats and stuff. So oh, cool. And so through this community online, it's called the Float Collective. It's people that work and in, in these sensory deprivation tank you know flotation therapy spas and stuff like that and so i posted hey ride riding my bike cross country it's my favorite way of recovery after like you know going through a hailstorm over mountain pass <laughs> you know like what's it like so it's it's amazing like well first
0: this, describe what okay. it is because there might so be so a some people flotation
2: tank it is a a tank of water that is full of thousands of pounds of epsom salt So everybody's body is deficient in magnesium sulfate, and basically that's what Epsom salt is. It helps your skin. It helps your muscles. You absorb it through your skin as you relax in the water, and it becomes porous. But basically, it's like the Dead Sea, a simulated version of the Dead Sea that allows you to float weightlessly in zero gravity. And the most important part is the fact that the water is the same temperature as the air, and it's the same temperature as your body temperature. Hmm. So, take for example, if you've ever experienced feeling like a mosquito on your arm, like mosquito lands on your arm, you look down, you're like, and there's nothing there, and you don't feel that sensation anymore, because your visual, your uh, visual, like that part of your brain overrides any tactile information. Hmm. So. It's completely dark, like double darkness. Can't see your hand in front of your face, and it's completely silent. You can't hear anything other than your heartbeat or your breathing. Yeah. So you're floating weightless in a tank where, you know, like the water, the air, your body, you can't hear, you can't see, you can't feel. Once so, you block out all incoming sensory information, you can channel into this other level of consciousness and look within yourself or look to some other higher plane or other dimension. I don't know how, you know, deep we want to get here, but basically is like almost like a sixth sense type thing. And so for me as an athlete, it's really great for your muscles, but as an artist or as just like a human and a vulnerable person with, you know, self-conscious issues. Feelings. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I feel things. It it blocks out. Oh, you're not a robot. Oh, okay.
0: All right. All right. Now we're on the same page. It's a
2: little rusty, you know, blocks out all the incoming sensory information and all of those feelings. Yeah. In a literal sense that you, you can focus on what's really important and I'll, I'll, I'll like, use it to like reflect and consolidate my memories of like what has happened and then like plan for the future. Like what do I need to be doing? Like I'll spend some time stretching and stuff and doing all the physical aspects. But a lot of it for me is like, is mental and you know, like microdosing psychedelics and you know, also combining that with that is kind of like in a, a, not like a release or an escape, but just like a pivotal kind of reset for like, my priorities in life or my mental health or like, yeah, my, my purpose having like a, a sense of meaning.
0: Well, it's good to check in with yourself.
2: Yeah. And That's then where... there's no other place. The thing is actually, <laughs> um, uh, Rebecca Vader in that one I was listening to and she talks about like, you go through this breathtaking scenery and you see all this stuff and after a while, like, even though it's still magical and, you know, whatever it, it becomes monotonous and then right. you're just left with yourself. Yes. So this place is a place and I, I in there's, there's two articles on my website where I kind of discuss like mental health and like my role of utilizing flotation tanks. Just for picture pitch your website
0: real quick. It's uh,
2: I wrote here from Kentucky.com. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's one, the legend of Gustavo that tells the homeward bound story of how my cat ran away and came back. <laughs> And then there is a uh, thrilling
0: and heart wrenching tale. Oh,
2: it is! You will cry. <laughs> okay. If you don't cry, I'll I'll. I'm send not. You, I'm a robot.
0: Somebody. Okay. <laughs> when did you? Uh, or no? How did you afford to do what you're doing? And how have you sustained that? I'm always S- so sustaining
2: it has been the hardest part. <laughs> Initially, like aff- affording it was just the circumstances of having worked a lot to invest in all the gear having the initial investment of having all that which is the biggest in part for like is the overhead other than feeding yourself and housing yourself yeah so if you can be resourceful and find ways to free places to stay um, warm showers couch surfing my favorite thing is just going to the local bar you roll into town and you go to the pub normally i'm in like roadie bike kit right and i'll leave my bike out front and then eventually someone says "Oh, you're not from around here are you where are you coming from where are you going why are you doing this <laughs> what do you eat where do you sleep do you got a gun <laughs> how many miles you do in a day how much does that thing weigh how long you been on the road where you been all that yeah and normally when they get to where do you sleep I go, I don't know. Your couch? <laughs> just give them, like, a cheesy grin. And, and they're they drunk there, enough? They sit there, and they, they, oh, this works it. Anywhere, dude. It works, all, like, gas stations. The locals, like, if they like, like, if you can you can start off on the right foot with them, they want to help you out because they're, like, inspired. Like, this doesn't happen every day. You know, just some, yeah. some guy from Kentucky rode his bicycle in here. <laughs> so... They'll be like, well, well, hell, man, I don't, I don't normally ever do this, but like, I mean, fuck, why not? You got this story, like, like I had one person ask to see my ID once. No, I just want to like, make sure you are who you say you are. Take a picture of it. No, they didn't take. It. They're yeah. just like, like, what's your name? Like, huh? Kind of like, you know, make sure I'm not some like crazy like con man. Yeah, they gotta, don't like, put, harvest their they organs. They don't put con
0: man on your driver's license. Yeah, put
2: like, put your spleen in my Ortlieb paneer.
0: All right. Who is the craziest person or whatever that you stayed with? That that's a crazy thing to do. And, like,
2: and, and no, and I've stayed with I've stayed with random, total random strangers that I've never met. Yeah. Like frequently, <laughs> and there have been some, you know, some people that just were amazing. You go above and beyond. Like here's here's an ounce of weed, you know, or here's like uh, you need to do laundry. You want to place, you know, it's normally like those standard things like. You get, you know, like, oh, here's somewhere to sleep. Do you need to do laundry? Are you hungry? You want some snacks for the road or something like that? Hmm. Or, you know, charge your electronics, whatever that is.
0: Take a shower. And,
2: and, I mean, it's been anybody and everybody. Like, from the most blue-collar job you could think, you know, like a, a garbage man or something, to, like, a rocket scientist. And from illegal immigrants to border patrol agents. And everything in between yeah
1: oh.
2: and you know when you're on you're in someone else's place and they take you in you don't like sacrifice like some of your but you kind of like hold your tongue if you don't like necessarily always see eye to eye like hey, you know you're doing me a favor and that happened to me like out in, yeah, you can't bite the in, in west YouTube. texas when i was sleeping behind a bar and i it was like a little border patrol agent town, and I started voicing my ideology about immigration and humanitarian politics and leftist ideas, and, and we didn't see eye to eye. And he's like, "Man, I, I'm helping you out. I'm doing do you this favor. You're upsetting my bar guests." And oh, yeah, and it it kind of got kind of real, where he was like, "So he was not really so much so, cool. yeah." No, so, so actually, this is pretty crazy. I left Marathon, Texas. I know where caught a wicked tailwind. Did 117 miles in like six hours. Oh, nice. And then it took me three days to go 60 miles because that <laughs> wicked tailwind, a 180 degree about faced directly at me. Yeah. And I was just roasted. I got so fixated. I'm like, oh my God, I can do a century in under five hours ever in my life. I would have <laughs> ever imagined that I'm carrying all this water in the West Texas desert Yeah, on a fully loaded, like, I've got like 120 pounds on my bike. And I'm averaging, like, 20 miles an hour, and right at, like, the last, like, it was like, the 92-mile mark, the wind changed, and the gradients kicked up. and I lost the dream. It, it <laughs> went away from me, but, you know, I, you know, I slept behind a community center. I went to this Judge Roy Bean Visitor Center. I don't know if you've ever been there. There's a oh. cactus museum there. I have really, been there. I know where it is. Judge Roy Bean. I didn't know about this guy. You know, I didn't grow up in Texas, but apparently he's one of those, like, you know, like, we had Daniel Boone and shit uh-huh. like that, and, like, kind of historical characters uh he'd serve out kind of not vigilante justice but his own style of justice at a bar out in west texas perfect pecos inn or something like that um and some kid rolled up on like a, an atv and i'm saying like this like seven or eight year old kid on like an actual like four-wheeler and he's like you look for a place to camp <laughs> like, they let they let y'all sleep behind a community center
0: <laughs> Yeah, you know, like were you on the ACA route, so he was used to uh, seeing another cyclist or something? This,
2: yeah, this actually, what this this was yeah. on the southern tier. It's like, oh tier.
0: yeah, we get one of you yeah. every once in a while Struck
2: going into Del Rio, <laughs> in All between right. Big Ben and Del Rio. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun. But th- those situations, they, they've that like you just become so used to it.
0: Does it stress you out? Like, me thinking about that, it kind of stresses me out a little bit to be somewhat dependent on other people, random places. You never really know where you're going to sleep.
2: And, I mean, I'm prepared and equipped to deal with that. Like, I've got, you know, my little stove and my water filter and, you know, my solar panel and my dynamo wheel and, and, like...
0: No, Madrid, first you don't stuff you and, don't
2: stealth camp, do you, oh yeah, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> you heard all the places I've slept, I know I was <laughs> uh yeah, and you know i I try to like pay my dues and pay a part- a camp fee, you know, I stopped in the office and paid my six dollar cover to get in oh so, yeah, I'm you know, sharing a site with with Patrick here, and, you know, okay, but uh, you yeah, there have been plenty of places I definitely have, have scooted in and out of okay so and I've had people <clears throat> chase me down like you didn't pay your campsite fee and then I feel like a dick but uh oh <laughs> you gotta pay your campsite fee dude I, well one of these was like it was actually the night that I crashed that cracked my frame that left me stranded in Austin
1: mm.
2: in the hill country I looked down at, for a second I looked back up shoulder goes out into a ditch and I didn't have like any time to prepare and it just I went down I didn't, then I pick myself up I dust myself off I'm like fuck it I'm over it for the day I was going to try and get to this town sleep behind the library and come upon this little private campground yeah, this place is nice I'll get myself a spot in the back and then I lay the whole place to myself there's nobody and I was like yeah fuck it dude I'm taking a rest day I'm just going to chill here and they came by and they waved and I was like <laughs> yeah, eventually I'll come up I'll pay on the way out And then some people come in and I guess maybe because I like hadn't gone through like the formal stuff, but they, they said, hi, you know, I was like, Hey guys, (laughs) that counts as a formal document in Texas. They weren't, they weren't like, Hey, you owe us a campsite fee. They were just kind of like nonchalant about it. And then these people came in to like check into the site and I, they like put them like the whole place is empty and they like put them at my site and I was like, Oh wow. Maybe they're being like, Hey, you should say something. (laughs) And I'm just being like a. Uh, a, a total bum about it And uh, I said something like hey, how, how much you guys pay for this well, 45 a night And I'm like Oh So you're telling me That this This is $90 For me to sleep in my own tent here hmm. And it's like
0: so it wasn't a, a, a state park. No, it was, no, like, it was a, like a, a private camp. A campground. private, like where an RV would. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I, it,
2: had, it had like tent camping area. Yeah. It was a huge, huge place. Apparently it's a vacation park. It was on the Guadalupe River. Hmm. Or maybe, I, I think it was the Guadalupe River. It's by the Three Sisters. I don't know if you've ever seen oh, it. Sure. I don't know. Texas is Notable hill country motorcycle loop, apparently. But a lot of cyclists ride it as well. Pretty Pretty beautiful stretcher. But yeah, I was like, holy shit like 90 i i was like i should have just gone up and been like hey guys i'm sorry i didn't, I didn't know it was 90 bucks Like, <laughs> i just like skated out of there it was like a, i so stopped they chase you down dude i stopped at the local like diner in town and he pulled up and was like oh how did you forget and i was like oh my god dude i cannot <laughs> believe this is happening right now like i'm such an asshole like and then uh and it was like it was like a buffet diner so just loading up this plate because so i just been eating like ah, ramen and potatoes and stuff. you were just dumping it in no 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 on a plate like <laughs> I was, kidding, I was, I was eating yeah and he came in and he was kind of like and then I went to like give him some money and he was like hey man don't worry about it uh-huh. and I was like really <laughs> he was like you're alright <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I felt like even worse so I was like asked the lady I was like yo you know Wayne uh huh. It's like, what's he normally get for dinner? So like you come here often? And he's like, yeah, a couple nights a week. So you bought like, him dinner. Yeah, like I bought him a dinner. Yeah, I was like, so when he comes back, I was like, oh, you remember that? I try
0: to skip out. It's like I like. Exp- I don't know. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, you know, I'm not hooking up like is- I'm not
1: hooking
2: up generators. You know, like they did have a shower. I took a shower once. I'm not judging you, you man. Know, I plug my phone in.
0: No one is. Ju- no one's even going to listen to this. No one. <laughs> So tell us about the marbles. Okay. Where did the marbles come in? Well, maybe you should tell us what, I don't even know what exactly you're doing with the marbles, but you're like hiding them all over.
2: So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a glass blower. I'm a lamp worker, a flame worker. I work in borosilicate glass. Um, I got into it in high school working Maretti on like a map gas torch. And now I'm running like oxygen propane. And uh, I started making jewelry and decorative stuff, Christmas tree ornaments, you know rear view mirror decorations, light catchers, fan pull fobs, drawer knobs, and then like functional items, and then jewelry necklaces, earrings, rings, pendants, that kind of stuff beads. and I started making pipes and i got in I was a pipe maker for a while, and then I got into adult toys, <laughs> dildos, butt plugs you know. <laughs> And, uh, and just in w- case you didn't know what he meant by adult toys yeah, yeah. <laughs> just those two things I wasn't making anything else <laughs> I'll need to talk to you later sir there <laughs> we go one of my biggest selling items was a heart shaped necklace pendant and I would market it as you know ma- you know, match your her eye color her team color her birthstone her album modders you know, her favorite outfit mm-hmm. and then I would have people come to the house I'd built a, a studio like in my dad's basement So had blow a blowtorch and a kiln and i teach, like small group private classes and lessons, and uh, it'd be like, you'd come and you'd make your own heart for your mom, for Mother's Day, for your girlfriend, or your wife, or fiance, for Valentine's Day, it would typically be like the markets I'd try to hit for that. And in the process, what I'd do is I'd take rods of glass in the blowtorch, I'd mix them and twist them together into <coughs> kind of some abstract swirly pattern rotating at different speeds holding the glass at different angles using different types of heat from the torch to shape it into like a spherical shape then i press it with the graphite paddle and then like shape it with like a tungsten marver and then make the heart shape put a little loop on it and at one point as i was making one it kind of looked like an easter egg an easter was coming up and i was Mm -hmm. like that's funny i'll just make an easter egg it's like i made i made a shit ton of easter eggs for like a photo shoot with this like really amazing artist, Julius Friedman. He used to do uh, the Louisville Orchestra and the Louisville Ballets, like posters for their uh, productions that they put on. And my mom was a ballerina, hmm. so like growing up, we'd have his photography in, in the house. And one of my best friends uh, <clears throat> married um, the daughter of one of his like family friends. And so he was there. The wedding was at his house, so I got to like meet this man in real life, who was in my childhood, just like the artist behind these images that were on the wall in my yeah. house, and I'd never met. One of one of the more famous ones is like a it's like a a, a point shoe like balanced on an egg, and uh, and so I thought it was funny because I made these eggs, and it kind of came full circle. And I approached him, and was like, "Hey, you want to do this little, like little photography project?" Because I visited, he has this piece of property where he'd done a bunch of, like, rock stacking and stuff. It's like Stonehenge or something out there. Hmm. And uh, so he shot these eggs, and then I took them with me to go across the country. And I'm up in the Black Hills Forest of South Dakota, and he passed away. And I was, I hiked to Harney Peak, and I I left one at the summit for him. Because it was one of the ones that had been featured in all the photos we'd done in the project. Gotcha. And so I was like, just kind of, like, cathartic Thing. Like in his memorial.
1: Yeah, nice. No, it's nice.
2: And that's kind of where it started. What uh, other thing was I? So I'd taken him with me, and then people would take me in, and let me stay with them if they had children. You know, i like can't get who's this crazy guy on a bike at the house? Oh, he's cool. <laughs> he's got marbles. Yeah. So I <laughs> show them. Wow, you make marbles. <laughs> and so I'd hide one in the house, like an Easter egg, like as a joke, like oh, the Easter bunny kind of thing. It was like it's what it really started as. Hmm. And so then... it's like an icebreaker. Yeah. And so then I showed it. And so I, I would hide him in the house. And I'd say, oh, by the way, you know, tell Luca there's marble in the house or something like that. And then they'd find it and they send me a picture. And I, you know, it was fun. Like, after I'd left, I was kind of, like, left a piece of myself behind. Like, some place that touched me and yeah. left a mark on me, I want <clears throat> to leave my mark on it. Got you. And then, like, I'm coming down uh, southern Oregon coast, entering northern California... And I knew that Humboldt, Eureka, specifically had a huge glass-blowing community. So I reach out on Facebook, like, hey, "Anybody know anybody up here? Maybe let, me, some let me work way on to a torch. smoke all that weed." Yeah, uh, so much. <laughs> like every person I stayed with was like, "Here's a ounce of weed. Here's a ounce of weed." I'm like, "Yo, I'm fucking have like a quarter pound of weed in my bag. Like, it's I'm taking up too much space. Man, just it's start giving up water. room. Here you go." <laughs> um, and so, like, uh. I joined, I call my my buddy Sergio, who's a marble maker back at home. I was like, hey, you know anybody around this way? And he's like, yeah, dude, I got some friends. Puts me in touch with this guy who actually has a marble festival. He's like, he used to be like an outdoor wilderness guide in the northeast for years and then decided to move out west and grow weed in California and make marbles. And this is like retirement. Live by the ocean, live by the mountains, live in the forest. Pretty sweet place, honestly. Great Great guy. Really awesome person. And uh, he connects me with him and he's like, tells me, hey, are you on world's biggest marble hunt? What the fuck is world's biggest marble hunt? He's like, dude, it's a whole online community of marble hunters and hiders all around the world. Oh my gosh, did you not know about? No, I didn't. He's like, there's 30,000 members. (laughs) And so I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Wow. So I joined the page worldwide and the most active county or the most active region in the whole world is... Humboldt County. So I discovered it when I'm in, like, the epicenter of it. Oh, cool. And so I post on, hey, guys, new to the community, glass blower, marble maker, cycling across the country, hiding marbles. Thought I was the <laughs> only one doing this. Didn't know all y'all were out here. And so then the next day. There's a lot of people lost their marbles. Yeah, they They're all trying to find. <laughs> the next day, I'm cycling from Oric. Which, that's a Wild West story, that little inbred town. And so I'm leaving Oric and I ride into this town, Trinidad. And when I get to Trinidad, I stop at this place that serves an ice cream cone with mashed potatoes and gravy and brisket in it, in an ice cream cone.
1: So I was like, <laughs> I got
2: to get that. I pulled over on the side of the road. I'm looking at my phone, and then this lady comments on my post and was like, on the marble page did i just see you on the side of the road in a hammer nutrition jersey i was like yeah that was me and she's uh, like do you still need a place to stay what and she takes me in and lets me stay she's like i started using hammers products like this past week and i saw it as a sign and i saw his post here's and an ounce of weed in. yeah exactly <laughs> san fernando kid and trim it yourself and uh and then i ride into town and i meet the next guy and i work with him and and so we I, we hit some marbles, and people were, like, finding them, like, crazy. And so I started, like, I made up a, a bunch of them and just, like, started hiding them. And, uh, you know, posting it on the page and, like, using that. And then through you, that connection. You
0: po- post it with, like,
2: tips or, like, so a GPS coordinate? It's not an exact GPS coordinate. I do have that. Like, I would take photos and videos, and, you know, you swipe up on the iPhone, and it shows you the location of it. Yeah, so I yeah. could, like, screenshot that and zoom in and show the dot. Yeah. But it's not going to be the actual number itself um but so what i would do is i would make them more difficult so i have nine that i hid along the u.s. mexico border from san diego to del rio and i'm calling it the southwest adventure series a marble hunt in the beautiful borderlands
1: Hmm.
2: and what it is is they're basically all at the summits of mountains so you want to get it you got to like hike to the top of this mountain. Oh cool. And it's like tucked away and hidden like in a little hole of a cave with some rocks in front of it and I put a little sticker and a business card and a little bag and all that. But you would never see it and you'd never know it was there unless you had the hints and the clues. There's one at the summit of Emory Peak in Big Bend. There's one at the top of uh, the big hill, quote unquote, on uh, Texas Farm to Market Road 170, steepest paved highway in Texas, 15% grade mile both ways up and down. Oh nice. Uh Camino del Rio. Uh, through Big Bend Ranch State Park from Presidio to La along the US Mexico border and the Rio Grande River. Absolutely one of the most beautiful roads I've ever ever ridden. And then there's one uh at the summit of Mount Lemon in Tucson. There's one at the summit of push ridge Peak, which is, is the West. L- Mount
0: Linneman. Lemon. I you... should
2: have known you were uh Yeah, there's one up there. Dang it. Um and one at Push Ridge Peak. There's one out in Galamis or near Glamis in the Imperial Desert of Southern California. Have you already the, put all the
0: information all out the clues? there?
2: Um, <laughs> no. So a lot, uh, only if I haven't actually posted all the clues. I've told individual people about some of them that's like, oh, like the dude who took me in Interlingua and let me crash on his couch. Like, I want him to go hike to the summit and find that marble. Like, yeah. I, I owe that to him. Yeah. That's what I feel is like, you know, I, I haven't put the clues out because I would rather you have... Your opportunity. If you don't want to pursue it, then somebody else can go find it. But yeah, so it just became like an interactive thing, and and for me, like it was able, a way to like engage with with other artists, and I'd learn a technique, and they'd learn a technique, and I'd stay at their house for a weekend, you know, tell them some stories, and buy a bottle of bourbon or something, you know. They're not, ah, you don't <laughs> owe me anything, man. Like, <laughs> you know, a lot of them, you know, I'm pitching on on materials and supplies and whatnot, but it was just. It's, it's a great way to, like, engage. And then I kind of market the marbles more so as, like, you're not buying a piece of art. You're making a donation to help support me keep the, like, never-ending bike tour dream alive. Yeah. And in return, you're receiving, like, a unique custom individual, one-of-a-kind work of art. Yeah. As like I do the same thing with stickers. Yeah. And I started doing that. <laughs> yeah. I got some, some sticker designs myself nowadays. Too, they're not as, like – People love stickers, but, you know, you, you can only charge a couple bucks for a sticker. You know, you I know. charge five. I'm expensive. Yeah. Well, I started doing... Mine's like, a donation. Yeah, and, and I say it the same way. You're not buying a product. You're donating to a dream. Here's the thing you You're sponsoring get. me. Yeah. It's a grassroots effort. Like, I don't like the idea of taking a handout. Like, sure. I did a GoFundMe, you know, like, on my first bike trip. Like, help me ride across the country. And, like... I was creating content and sharing my travels as like a, you know, like, if you want to see this happen, you can feel as if you helped contribute to making this a reality, you know? But after having been on the road for so long, I feel like, you know, I don't want to be that guy asking for a handout. I'd rather like offer you some piece of like merchandise or some like image or logo or, you know, Something beyond just, like, the curated content that I want to create to help, like, inspire and engage people to go out and explore these areas. And I think the marble hunt is an incentive for that. So, like, you want to – like, and even if you don't find it, the fact that I got you to go out there and find this place is, like – I feel (laughs) like that's rewarding to me. Like, there's this uh, section – of a secret beach in Point Reyes National Seashore in Marin County, California, just north of San Francisco, just south of Sonoma, that you can only access during the low moon or the uh, the low tide cycle of a super moon or like a really, you know, like a big full moon where it's going to swing bigger. And I would rolled into this town bicycling magazine had like listed it as i'd gone out of san francisco once before and i had a bike and i wanted to ride this ride best ride in every state 50 best rides state by state guide yeah so stop by the the uh i forget some bakery <coughs> in that the one where point, point Ray station uh, get these cookies
0: the one for texas was that wildflower loop
2: is that part of the hill country loop or is it in the it's, hill country
0: yeah yeah it's part of that hill country loop
2: I wanna do uh, I wanna go back it's out called to big Willow Bay. Loop. That's what it Willow. is, Willow
0: Loop. Yeah. And they're like single day
2: rides. This yeah. the article it's specifically like highlighted a bunch of single day rides that were just amazing. Best ride in every state. And so I wanna do this ride and i tried to do it years ago and I failed. I didn't make it that far. I'd never I'd never ridden gradients or mountains like that, you know, like got the foothills of the Appalachia, like the low rolling, old eroded mountains. Not mm. like you know, fault line, gradient, uh, topography. And so I I've met this guy in Mendocino. who's like, hey, man, I live in Point Ray Station. You can crash with me. I get into town. I call him. He doesn't answer. I go to the bakery. Bakery's closed. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> a couple years waiting for this and whatever. Go to the cheese shop. There's this, like, old Brooklyn Jewish lady at the cheese shop who's like, oh, you should go to. There's a hostel in the National Seashore. And there's a there's a full moon. There's a there's a super there's a king tide. You can get to this secret beach that nobody knows about. Oh wow! So I'm like, but there's 17 mile mountain pass and there's there's no food, there's no internet out there. So tell your people, get something to eat. I <laughs> so Go to the little grocery store. i go, like, hey guys, I'm going here. And I ride there and I get to the front desk and I say, hey, you guys know anything about this secret beach? And it's this is like a hostel inside the national seashore. So it's not a national park. Yeah, It's a national seashore. It's like a national recreation area. And I get to the hostel, and I tell them about this. They'd never even heard of it, and they're the closest access point. So they dig around with their landline internet and find, like, a PDF document. Turn left at the large eucalyptus tree. Go 100 meters. Climb over this. Climb down through this cave. You'll pop out at the other side. Go however far, you'll pass a slippery section of tide pools, and then you can go through this keyhole that's normally submerged underwater. Directly to your left, there will be a 90-foot-high basalt ceilingless cave. So I'm like... I follow the direct. I ride the fire road. I ride the single track. I get, I like I my get bike. stuck. But the thing, the the instructions were like, you must arrive between okay. this time at the tide. So you have to calculate the tide forty five minutes because the tide chart is made for the bay, and we're north of the bay, mm. so it's different. Yeah, and the thing is, we're on the other side of the San Andreas Fault, so the rock features don't reflect all the rock features you've seen the whole way down the coast. So it's like this random ass plate with these crazy rocks and just structures that have been eroded from the wind from the ocean and it's like this very rare place that you can't normally access this the cliffs are too unstable to approach from the south it's too rocky to approach by boat you can only get there this way and you can only get there in this small window of time so That's crazy like, i just happened to How long here. is the window? It's like a 5 or 6 hour window. Okay. So like it's like when the tide starts yeah. receding to it hits like its negative maximum to when it comes back to zero you can get in and out. So it's like just leave yourself enough time. Never push it. And even yeah. in the directions like we could we could link uh, the directions to the secret beach. Okay. Uh, and yeah, this because I crazy. want you to go there because I don't know if like with the rising sea levels and stuff, yeah. this may be a place that doesn't exist too much longer. Right. Or the next earthquake, dude. This could be. In the ocean. Instantaneous liquefaction. Right. That's the term they use on the Juan de Fuca plate up in Oregon for all the coastal cities that are filled in with landfill. Like, when it goes, it's you're gone. gone. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> so, I I hope you get out there. I hope it doesn't go while you're out there. But No, for sure. I'm <laughs> going to plan I, better I, than I that. I hit a marble. I'm going to plan for. You should. And so, I, I went out there. And I'd been microdosing for like, I thought I just saw a bald eagle i don't think they're i, I saw a bald eagle in arizona once though you've seen them out here in texas oh yeah yeah i've seen
0: some close to uh, where i live over uh, in the huntsville area nice yeah, yeah I,
2: thought, I thought i saw one um anyway yeah i you know i rode there and it, it was such an awesome adventure that i like I, I stayed another day i had to go back and do it again like i, I just i went back and did it again <laughs> um and I just like kept once in a life. Well, I guess yeah, twice in a lifetime yeah, kept thinking like how few people have seen this. And there, there's several waterfalls there as well. Um, and just like how rare it was and how it may not exist. And like just getting in these caves and like seeing these rock features and like catching the light at these certain angles and stuff. And I'm in the cave and these people show up and they're like, how did you find out about this place? He's like, man, I've known about this for like decades. And like, I don't even know how many people know of this. like, mm-hmm. I, I get the, the lunar calendar chart and I plan my trip like six months to a year in advance. And he leads like guided tours and I'm just some random guy who stumbled. <laughs> and now it's the right place at the right time. And it, it, the whole, this whole like experience is, is about those moments and being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Well, you got to be out there to find them, right? Uh, 100%. And you got to be willing to like risk it and go yeah. see it. Cause
0: you got to have some adventure in you.
2: It, oh man. But it's, it's that type of stuff that like, it makes me crave this. Like you're saying, it's like a drug. It's like a substance. All right.
0: So you've traveled all over United States, mm-hmm. over 37,000 miles. Sure. Uh, and how long have you been in Austin? What made you stop here? Like what? So, Out of
2: all the places you could have stopped, Austin isn't a bad place. Austin's but. a great place. Austin is very much like where I come from. Okay. So in Louisville, Kentucky, is kind of modeled after Austin, Texas. We're both little liberal islands in a sea of conservative red. We're the standout place for all the misfits and weirdos that don't fit in, you know, a right-wing state.
0: You should have seen it 20 years ago.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. Been, well, it just it's been more gentrified and teched out now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. I with mean, San Francisco. there's a lot it's of the tech There's a lot of you know high-end cars. Correct. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like it, it's. It's a great place. like, But the, basically how I ended up here was, well, I knew that I'd always like wanted to spend some time here. I guess maybe just back it up just a hair. Sure. So, like, when I originally left, you know, I was doing 100 miles a day, going across the plains, going across the prairie, busting through the bullshit to get to the good shit so that when I got to that national park or that state park or that destination that I wanted to spend some time at, I could kind of yeah. take some moment, really soak it in. So by the time I get to the Rockies... In the mountains, like yeah, you know, 50, 60, 70 miles a day. By the time I get to the coastline, it's, you know, as low as 50, 30 miles a day. And it depends. Um, and I basically, like, ran out of money and ended up having to just find random odd jobs along the way. In like Augustine or prior? I've ran out of money, like, basically when I got to San Francisco for the most part. Um, and so I ended up through the glass community, reached out to, I just posted on Facebook, looking for a place to stay. Anybody know anybody? Some dude I used to work with in a glass studio in Louisville, uh, knew some guy he used to play Xbox live with <laughs> in, on Halo in like 2008. And he's like, yeah, hey, man, he works at a dispensary. He's a bike messenger. I think you guys would get along. He'd probably let you crash <laughs> on his couch. I told him he would be hitting him up sent me his Instagram. I hit him up. I'm like, yo, dude. Damn it. It's cool to roll through. <laughs> so I move in and I crash on the couch for a few nights. Really hit it off, him and all of his friends and this whole, like, bike culture community. And they're working with this company. Uh, it used to be TCB, which is pretty big in, like, bike culture world. Um, and then it was Scout, and it ended up going under from some big corporate acquisitions. Grubhub acquired E24 Uh and didn't want any third-party independent courier companies contracted under their delivery logistics platform so they basically wanted everybody to go corporate and the owners had designed this like app called TwinJet that became like the the bike messenger standard for modern 21st century delivery work So, like, you know, we got royalties off that. We don't need the headache of, like, dealing with this company. And so the people I was crashing with had everybody at the warehouse, this, like, crazy artist-centric warehouse in the Mission District of San Francisco that wasn't up to code and some, like, developer was trying to buy it and, you know, level it build a high-rise condo loft across from the homeless assistance program across the street. And everybody gets all fucked up. And it's like last day of summer camp, last day of high school, kind of like end of an era. And I'm the fly on the wall from Kentucky touring across the country who's there to witness that and share this moment with all these random, you know, bike messengers that are don't know what the fuck they're going to do because they're in San Francisco and they're all losing their jobs. So one day or one moment, Antonio's like, man, or like Chris, like some people are like, let's just take over the company. And they had seats from Candlestick Park where the the Giants, the 49ers Mm -hmm. used to play in the warehouse. And we're sitting in the old stadium seats. Let's just call it Candlestick Courier. Turn it and burn it. And so it, it like stuck. Like next day, Chris went down to City Hall, got the doing business as license. Took all the cargo bikes, all the radios, everything. Moved it into the living room of the warehouse where I was sleeping on the couch. And they're like, yo, dude, we're fucking slammed. It's pouring down rain. They're entirely understaffed. They're trying to retain their old clients by undercutting this new corporate hmm. they say hey we'll do it you know like me and Carlos and like we, we've been delivering your food for years you want some like corporate ass rookie that doesn't know what the fuck they're doing to like spill all your food and yeah, burn all they your they
0: still have to hire someone so if you uh, got all the couriers
2: yeah but well it's the thing is like on those app based food delivery services it's all within the app the restaurants just pay a small fee to have their menu listed yeah, on those yeah. and and it increases their sales because they had a whole new market but they, we would cut out their fee by undercutting them and doing it for a cheaper rate. And they just pay us directly for that aspect of it. They could still use their logistics platform. It gets, it gets kind of confusing. But basically, like, they're like, yo, man, we we need you. Like, I, I don't know the city, dude. I got Google Maps in my ear. Turn left, turn right. Yeah. I got a bunch of, like, pho in my backpack in the rain. Go down on the rail tracks. Get my tires stuck in the, like... You know, I rode, like, 50 miles, crashed, like, you know. Made, like, $200. I was like, dude, I just got paid, like, $200 to ride my bike around the city of San Francisco. And, like, it is the most miserable weather. Yeah. But I was, like, instantly hooked and addicted to it. And so I ended up staying there. And everyone was like, well, man, how long are you in town for? I was like, I don't know. A couple of days, you know, just, just helping them get, get this off the ground. They need an the extra hand, so... Well, dude, if you're in town for this weekend, man, we got this track lacrosse race coming up. You should you should come out and spectate. It's gonna be real tight, resistance race. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, I'll I'll check it out. And then I like, you know, I'm, well, okay, I'll leave on Monday. I'm leaving Monday. It's a fresh start, <laughs> brand new. way back on the road, turning over a new leaf. And then you know, party too hard on the weekend, all hung over on Monday. And then, hey, man, we need to work. Oh, okay, let me make some money. And then it's like. See me on Tuesday, Wednesday. Man, I thought you were leaving on Monday. I oh, mean, he's never leaving. He's been saying I'm leaving. He's leaving Monday <laughs> since he got here. <laughs> Eventually, I I finally like, I saved up some money. uh I managed to like, make my departure from the Bay. You know, they say you know you left your heart in San Francisco. Like, mm. uh, that's other than the cost of living, and like the housing situation yeah that's tough and the homelessness yeah and like some of like the gentrification like top like topic like geologically geographically like the peninsula the bay the mountains the forests, yeah. the weather it's such an amazing and the culture the art like the infrastructure the pedestrian like market street san francisco bicycle coalition market street is now car free mm. like completely car free it's a huge step. Like that's some fucking like yeah. Tokyo shit. <laughs> you don't see that in
0: America. No, no. And I don't even you know, know what you're talking pilot.
2: about. <clears throat> uh, they've they've eliminated. No, I know what you're talking about it, but I'm just saying. Oh yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know. Like, I, I love that place and I love that community and that that moment in time to like to have like worked that job and lived that life and been a part of that whole whole series of events and, and so then from then there on out was kind of a similar reoccurring story in these places but it was just insert random odd job in place hmm. and it's like uh, you know I spent three and a half months there and then I went down to, to LA and then San Diego and then I spent some time in, in Mexico and then went back and then I ended up like walking dogs and house-sitting and cat-sitting in Phoenix and then working at a glass-blowing school in Tucson and I was working as a dishwasher at a bike shop cafe in el paso which ended up leading to me speaking at a people for bikes event and at a local elementary school to promote the usa crit sun city crit race and then getting a sponsorship from kogel bearings hooked me up with some pulley wheels and bottom hey that's what i got yeah you know i was actually i was wondering I was like, you should reach out to them, man. Like, I feel like they they toss you some stuff for a promo giveaway. Okay. Yeah, dude. I mean, I got Kogo my uh, and my not my chumba there. Already wrapped in full Texas. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I never knew Texas had a bike scene. <laughs> <laughs> Thought it was just big white diesel trucks. Yeah. Well, you got that too. It's a big There's plenty. Uh, There's room for everybody. And then, uh, so yeah, I guess now finally getting to Austin. I uh oh yeah also I spent a couple months in, in San Diego and uh OB working cannabis and doing some other stuff like that but once I was uh, about 70 80 miles outside of Austin when I realized I looked down I'm on some little back country road run out of water I'm like anytime I'd see a car stop, I'd just stand in the middle of the intersection and hold my camel back mm. podium bottle upside down. Yeah. With the lid off. And then it would someone give me some water, Someone like, Oh, I got oh, that's some. That's a good beer. idea. Yeah, if you ever run out of water, never be afraid or shy to ask like Oh no, I always ask for water. I've been close, but I haven't run out yet. <laughs> um and so I look I guess someone refi- gives me some water and I gotta put my bottle back on the cage and I notice this little wrinkle on my down tube just beneath the headset. It's double-butted chromoly steel, so I'm guessing this is right. Where the butting tapered. And I'm like, are you serious right now? Like is, is there a wrinkle? Like there's a like there's a crack in my frame? Like and then I start thinking about like dude, like 20,000 miles carrying yeah. 100 plus pounds through the rainforest and the desert and you know, like the alpine and not, you know, necessarily it's not a racing bike. I don't wash it after every ride. You know, like you've exceeded its weight limit. You've crashed it. You've stressed it. There's probably some internal corrosion, combination of all that. And my dad's brother, uh, who actually had gone to UT and then moved down here after college and kind of stayed in the area, has a place out in Horseshoe Bay. So -hmm. it's like, after all these years, like. It's like a fancy uh, golf resort. Kind of. Yeah. Well, there's like, there is a resort that's there. And then he's got like, like a house, like in the hills, kind Ah. of thing like um and it's like his retirement vacation home kind of uh yeah they they did they did pretty well for themselves so the timing after being you know on a uh you know sleeping in a tent and crashing on couches for however long was you know couldn't have been better that's like okay now i have a little place to just hide out and figure out what the fuck I'm gonna do. Yeah. So I basically you had, don't have a I, bike. You I'd run money. out of money and my <laughs> frame's cracked. Yeah. I'm
0: broke. That's a problem when you're uh,
2: traveling by a bike. Yeah. I, I'm and so I'm like I've always wanted to stay in Austin. I wanted to check the place out. And I uh, was like trying to figure out what I was gonna do for money, and how I was gonna find a free place to live that wasn't like in a suburb. Like I wanted to be in the city and really experience the culture, at least for a little bit. So somebody suggests a uh, Chicano dude on a bike. Good guy to follow on Instagram. He's, tu- <laughs> he's currently touring in Mexico. Um, he says, dude, why don't you work at a hostel? He was petty cabin on Venice Beach at the time. And I was, my plan was to do a pedicab thing. Yeah.
1: But there's some overhead
2: involved with that, renting it and all that. And I didn't have any money for that. So somebody said, why don't you do a work trade at a hostel? And I was like fucking genius like i've stated a lot of like budget backpacker travelers hostels but i'd never once i never once worked at one yeah but all the people that were always working at them were always just fellow travelers from somewhere else that wanted an opportunity to live in a city and on a budget and meet other travelers yeah and so i look them up i scroll through the options in google and i see this one that has like all these crazy murals and stuff drifter jacks like, that sounds appropriate it's named after jack kerouac nice and so i call him up i'm like hey you guys looking for work trades the manager answers actually we are nice can you send me a resume next day i send him my resume he emails me back can you do an interview so i'm like i'm not i'm not gonna ride to the city even i don't i don't have a guaranteed place yet and he's like oh, we do a video interview next day we do a video interview he's like all right Start Monday. So it's like, I call him on Wednesday, send him the resume on Thursday, do the video interview on Friday. I ride into the city on Saturday, stay with my childhood swim coach who lives here in town. Let me crash at his place for the night. And then the next day I move in to the hostel. And I wanted to be in Austin by, August 20, or by June 22nd to see the Odessa concert. I'm a big Odessa fan. I'd never seen them live before, but I'd listened to their music a lot. It was, like, one of those artists that I would turn to, and I'm bonking up a mountain, and I need that extra oomph to, like, keep me going. And it was real emotional. You know, I cried, all that shit. (laughs) How Did I Get Here is one of their songs, and it was one of those moments where I would always say to myself, like, it it would come on shuffle at those weirdly appropriate Mm. moments where I'm like, how
1: did I get here? Yeah, how the fuck did I get here? And
2: so... The next morning, I started work, and then I I, li- I did a work trade, like room and board. <clears throat> so you'd work 24 hours a week, front desk. But I'd never been to the city before, so I'm the guy at the front desk with the tourists coming in. So what's there to do in this town? <laughs> I've never been here. I don't know. I can't tell you that. So I had to, like, get out there mm. and see all the things. So i browsed Do512, and, you know, you'd write the events on the event board and the weather, and we'd host – pub crawls and movie nights and family dinners and like take tours down to Barton Springs or down to Blues on the Green and, yeah. and I just I kind of fell in love with Austin like the charm
0: of the city like so you were kind of forced to get out there and explore it and, then, yeah, and by doing so you kind of just right. something struck a chord with you
2: absolutely and the interesting thing was like, like I said I never planned on staying here my goal was to save up some money buy a new frame set transfer all my components onto that new frame set and then get the fuck back on the road and finish what yeah. I started ride down to Key West, make it to Puerto Rico and then ride back up the East Coast and then home to Louisville, or hopefully I write the book and then publish it. And then who knows what happens next. <laughs> That's kind of the, like, That's in, a, podcast in, a, in, a, too. in a perfect world. Yeah. I'd be Anthony Bourdain and Hunter S Thompson rolled into one through the lens of bicycle travel is what I'm trying to achieve in a documentary awesome. standpoint.
0: Hopefully next time we talk, that, <laughs> yeah. that'll be the case. Yeah. Uh, maybe, we'll, you
2: know, hopefully the next time it's like, we'll be the show. We'll be on like travel channel. Like <laughs> um, <laughs> but so what, what, what ultimately ends up happening is I just kind of, I, I reach out to the local cycling community and I go, I make my rounds around the bike shops, seeing if anybody has like a used frame or something that yeah. would work in its place. And this guy, wes williams who is the or is accredited as the inventor of the 29er
1: Ooh, I need to talk he, to him he kind of
2: you you really should he had a a, a bike company named willets i mean handmade bicycles for years and now he works for precision pedicab and they're like the nicest pedicabs like out okay. there. steel tubing um but he he like Comments on my post on social cycling awesome. Swing by the shop, man. I'll take a look at it. Fucking puts my bike up on there, sands it, TIG welds that oh, shit. Oh, yeah. You welded it. Yeah. Right there on the spot. Yeah. Boom. Good as new. I don't need to pay, you know, all this money to get a new frame and to transfer everything. Like, I put a band aid on my baby and we're, we're good to go. Yeah. <clears throat> Only I still didn't have any money. <laughs> so, uh, I end up working a number of odd jobs. I actually helped the Texas Bicycle Coalition move. I stopped by Bike Texas to take a picture of their sign. Met one of the people. Oh, you're traveling. You want some work? We're moving. So I was deconstructed and reconstructed, and just moved, ripped out all the shit, and reinstalled it at their new location. A good little contract work.
0: Hey. Hey, come take a seat. Anywhere is comfortable for you. Yeah, it's nice.
2: And uh, then somebody else that I met through the social cycling community my very first social ride when i got to town i was on my way to the meetup spot i saw a couple it looked like they were heading there Like, you guys go on a social ride I'm like yeah so like, i just got to town riding across the country I'm like oh, that's cool we had each other on facebook some time later he's me. you know let's go grab a drink sometime we never ended up getting around to it and he said hey i got some work for you if you want to do some work I'm like for sure and then he's like hey can you be here on friday and i end up becoming like a producer's assistant like shooting commercials for like USAA auto insurance and stuff and like <laughs> I'm doing the clapboard like just just random connections yeah. through like the bike community so working all these little bike touring sounds perfect for somebody with ADD oh man I can't even finish one of these stories <laughs> like, well I'm,
0: I'm saying I mean as a person place. with ADD it appeals to me because you get right. bored with things so quickly it's like well as a production person this day and sure. then, <clears throat> you know I'm doing pizzas here I'm doing a restaurant here right. I'm
2: making marble here yeah. like, I'm walking dogs I'm ha- I was making you know hundreds of dollars a week just walking dogs and house sitting and cat going and feeding people's cats when they go out of town on yeah. the weekend and Shit like that. But it's all—it's not consistent. You can't, like, budget or plan for that. Shit, nothing so about my life is consistent. And I, I'm used to, you know, working on a bike messenger budget and working on a, a server's budget where all of your work is performance-based and it's tip-based. So, yeah. like, then just recently, randomly, I had this kind of, like, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday job kind of fall in my lap. And so I, I took it because, you know, I, I have health insurance. So, like, hopefully... I'm not doing this forever. It's not like my favorite thing in the world to be doing, but I like not being broke. What is your plan?
0: When, when, I mean, you're stopped here for how long until you get back on the
2: road? Um, when is that fateful Monday? The fateful Monday is really just kind of like a non-existent con. It's just like a, it's like a feeling that you have when you find a place that feels like home and you don't want to leave where it's like, I'm leaving Monday. Like, I could stay here a little while. So it's kind of more of like an ideology or a mindset and the uh, the funniest thing is like i don't think i've ever left anywhere on monday like, it always ends up <laughs> being like a tuesday or some or something yeah. like that or a wednesday um like it's, shit when i finally left san diego after being there for like two and a half months i left it like sunset on a friday night yeah it makes sense like riding inland <laughs> over the you know i only made it like 20 miles that first night after yeah, the, it's like funny the...
0: whenever i first found out about you i mean it's been months and months but ago when did
2: you start following along, i don't though. know after was, yeah. it
0: was after uh it was well it was probably like a year ago. It was, was I probably... in Arizona or? Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, my memory terrible don't ask me hard questions <laughs> <laughs> i barely i don't know where i was a year yeah. ago much less where you were a year ago i just see
2: like facebook memories i'm like oh
0: yes oh that. shit i forgot about it. well you posted that thing that intro i was like oh man i didn't even remember i did that on the way up here you posted that intro to my show oh when you do yeah your I don't con- refer- conversational, conversational you... tour guide through Dude, a digital galaxy or so i don't remember what it, it was a good, uh, it's like i don't even remember doing a good that. choice of words i uh, thank you i just make it up as i go along yeah same here Hey, uh, so, but it was funny because, like, yeah, I was planning on interviewing you in College Station. because
2: yeah, I figured, I was like, oh, I'm just passing through town. Like, Eventually, I'll crash on his couch for the weekend. Like hundred miles west of me. So, and I was stuck here, and I never So I had it. to come to Austin to yeah, interview man. you. Favorite, hey, but, I, you know, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm not mad about being here. Like, I'm I'm pretty You're obviously content- not mad. You got a girlfriend. You got yeah. an apartment. You got and, a job. That's the thing. It's, like, after having <laughs> resented that, like, traditional societal expectation of you go to school you get a job you go to where you pay the bills you get the house you get the wife you get the kids like I went to school and then I kind of abandoned all that and not like in spite or like resentment but just like to be a nomad and like live in the moment and do that whole thing but then after having done that for so long you get the tiniest taste of like a domestic life where it's like, you know, you wake up in the same place every day. You go to sleep in the same place every day. You have the grocery store that you go to or the park or like, you have like some, some sense of routine that you like find that the comfort in that. And not, I don't want to say that I'm like complacent because I still have that like itching, urging desire to like wander and explore and roam and get lost and be out there in the middle of nowhere and experiencing that. But like, I'm really pretty happy where i am and i feel like the cycling community and the scene is very strong here like there's a lot of different aspects of you know from the adventure cycling and the gravel racing with troublemaker and beat the clock and cycle east and east side pedal pushers and bike farm and like all these different groups and clubs and shops and organizations to the social cycling community and the bicycle advisory council and like volunteering taking kids from the school for the blind on tandem bikes oh yeah i saw that that was cool there's so much going on in the Austin cycling community, and there's a lot of, That's like, the thing is, thinking, like, there's still
0: a lot of stuff you can yeah. explore here. And there's so many it different, It goes like, from a macro exploration to a micro exploration, but—
2: And the trail systems are really nice, too. Yeah. Like, the, the creeks, like, Waller Creek, Shoal Creek— Onion. Greenbelt, Onion. Yeah, like, there's, there's a lot that that can offer, too. I haven't really had an opportunity yet to delve into uh, the mountain bike scene. I've, I've dipped my toe a little bit in some of the, the gravel roads, the outlying communities. I'm just trying to, like, network with, with more people to get more opportunities to, to go check out these routes. Because I feel like from the original premise of the pedals and pools, nowhere else in the country have I found that has this many, like, accessible swimming holes mm. from a major metropolitan Yeah, there area. are a lot around here. So you have, like, the music, the culture, the nightlife, the ethnic diversity, the food scene, the progressive politics of a liberal city in the little island of the conservative state so everybody floods here and it's just that much weirder and a little crazier but then you know there's no mountains there's no ocean there's the lake there's the river and there's there's hills some of them have some pretty steep grades (laughs) so but but i feel like the swimming holes and like some of that outdoor recreation that's easily accessible within the area or even within (laughs) the city limits somewhat makes up for that like but you know, having been from a very similar place, 500 feet above sea level on a bed of limestone in a river valley in rolling foothills like Louisville and Austin, like geographically are pretty similar. And the climates are also somewhat fairly temperate. I mean, summer's a little hotter here. Winters are a little colder <laughs> there. But put it mildly after being out in places like, you know, the Pacific coast and having all those giant cliffs or being in the desert and having the sky islands, man, like I'm. I'm obsessed with sky islands, dude. That's like my favorite thing in the world. To be able to travel vertically through microclimate pockets and ecosystems and see the change in the plant and animal species. Mm-hmm. Like Mount Lemmon, for example. You're in the Sonoran Desert. You're basically like in Mexico, like in like you know surrounded by saguaro cactus and tumbleweeds and succulents and palo verde and mesquite trees and snakes and scorpions and spiny lizards and 26 miles later you're at two feet of snow at the summit of a 9,000 foot mountain with an observatory with bears and big cats and bald eagles and yeah, conifers and crazy. pine trees yeah. and it's just slices like and you can see it all how ha- it's the equivalent of traveling you know 100 300 miles in latitude for every 1000 feet you rise in elevation so you basically follow the continental divides, like, like, the rock features and everything from Mexico to Canada in a 26-mile road. It's, like, Catalina scenic, island-in-the-sky scenic byway, like, 7,000-foot climb from, like, (laughs) the desert to a ski resort. Yeah. Like, uh, Man, I
0: can't wait to hear some more of these stories around the campfire tonight.
2: Oh, yeah, there's... The first time I rode Mount Lemmon, that... I slept in an electrical generator shack at the summit of the mountain. Cause, like, I hadn't planned it accordingly. I'd underestimated it. I started too late. I ran out of water. Met this, like, old Italian cyclist on, like, a Pinarella or a Cerveo or something that had come from there just to ride Mount Lemon. And I was like, where's the next place to get water? I'm like halfway up the mountain. He's like, dude, turn around, man. <laughs> Go back down. Like, what do you do? Like, yeah. He's like, no water. There's up a, there. there's a, he's like, he gave me his water. And then uh, there was like a lodge, like at the ski resort. There's like a little restaurant, and I was gonna stop, but then like there's a gate that goes all the way up to the very, very summit where there's the, uh, the University of Arizona's Astrological Observatory up there. Oh, I know where, yeah. I, and I was that. like, I, I wanna get up there. And then that's where the gradients kick up, and there's like black ice on it. And it's like, you know, 15, 18% grade in spots. But it was, the gate was closed, so there's no traffic. I get up to the top. And I'd met somebody, actually the lady that owned the float center in Tucson, was friends with an astro- astronomer. I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can probably stay up there. Sometimes they let students and stuff like come look at the telescopes. And It's like, get up there, and it's illegal to have your lights on because the light pollution affects mm, the telescope. Yeah. So I blast my lights at the place. I start signaling SOS. like, Because like, the dude got in my head. He's like, he, he looked at me square in the eye. I was like, don't come back down this mountain tonight. He's like, if you're going to go up. I was like, dude, I've invested too much. Like, I came on, like, I'm already halfway up it. Like, might as well finish it out. And he's like, don't come back down this mountain tonight. And so I got to the top and waited. And I was like, dude, this is too dangerous. Like, I'm, and plus I wanted to see it. I, 7,000 foot descent, you know, like, and there's a false top where you have an 800 foot descent and then an 800 foot climb. Hmm. And then the seven. So it's like 8,000 feet altogether, both ways. And I ended up just like, by the cell phone tower and like finding a door that was open like fuck i'm <laughs> sleeping in here and like shivering like oh literally laying on this cold concrete like with like puffed air into like ziploc bags so that my i wasn't touching directly on the concrete it was like <laughs> i'm warm like saying that You're to myself, right, and, yeah. and then like i've been there before. waking up and peeing in the middle of the night and looking at like the fact that i was like <laughs> exposed to, like massive amounts of radiation where i was and i was like Wow, this is probably not, not. I was just like, wait till the sunrise and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Rode down to the ski resort and then like got, like it. the The diner wasn't open yet. The like little lodge and I like hung out, had coffee like in the where people were renting their skis and shit. I went and had breakfast and bombed down the mountain. And it's still one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And then the second time I went back, with Lail Wilcox was doing one of her things. Oh yeah. And I was like, God, dude, I'm gonna fucking ride with Lail. She just did another <laughs> she, thing up she there. She dropped me like. <laughs> like less than 2,000 feet up the mountain yeah like, that's what she does <laughs> immediately like she's on the diverge in, like a downed coat <laughs> and uh like I caught her on the second lap like I I started going up and she passed me on the instant. I turned around and got with her and then we w- went up and I just I just watched her go I was like oh <laughs> but I've watched her right away a couple I, times I was gonna give her a marble because I wanted her to hide one uh, in Alaska and uh I ended up. I went to the top, and that's that's when I hid the marble at the top the second time that I went there. And I came back down. Actually, this like the second half. Of the, I came back down like around sunset. But I'd been up and down the mountain, you know, like a couple times to to know it and be like comfortable with descending in the dark. I and mean be like, at least it's not like, like freezing in a generator shock with no overnight gear. All right,
0: we got to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll never at stop. You got Interview number two is uh, is lying in wait. I know. Yeah. Hopefully she's ready. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hopefully uh, you talk
0: more in this. <laughs> there. Uh, well, I'm. I think it's so cool that people like you are out there in this world, man. Like, I mean, I like we said, I'm the the husband and the father and at sure. the house and I want all that one day. Job. But you know, but yeah, you do. Well, and where, were, like, you, were you that 10 years mm-hmm. ago
2: when you're my age? Was I what the husband and the father and all that? Yeah, 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay, I don't, yeah. I don't know. How, yeah. How old your kids are.
0: Yeah. I've been I've been doing it a while. I've okay. been doing it a while. So there, there's definitely a part well, I'm of I'm
2: behind me. in the town. I'll catch up. <laughs> but but
0: that's that's what I'm saying is it's you know, like I appreciate that there's people like you in the world and probably on some level you're like, Oh yeah, like Patrick,
2: he seems like he's got it together. I don't, right. but you know, maybe from <laughs> your perspective. Well, like like I said, I got like that one little, like I got one that one little taste of domestic bliss. Yeah. Like, oh, you I? might never leave Austin. I we'll don't. see. Well dude, I mean she's only got a couple of year visa. I mean, yeah.
0: I mean, she may uh, be going
2: back to Spain.
0: You might be going with her. That I hear Spain <laughs> is good for touring.
2: <laughs> I I've, I've definitely. There's like a. Def, there's like a historic, like kind of mission trail type yeah. thing. Like a, a pilgrimage. Yeah, you do that. that
0: All right, so anxious. I'm gonna do I an interview, to do and you're gonna go right? get groceries. Is that what? Yeah,
2: I think uh, I don't know. I may set up my camp and then go grab groceries. What time is that? We got like an hour of sunlight.
0: All right, man. Well, thanks for uh, coming on, and hey, we'll dude. Thanks for having keep me. Keep it going it's, over it's the campfire. Honor. Yeah,
2: we'll, we'll extend this. Oh, off, uh, off mention the your uh,
0: your Instagram so people can keep up oh, if you yeah. ever do get back on the road. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I do. I'm, plan on. I'm I'm jabbing at you. But what it's, is your? Instagram? Uh, it's
2: nightmare the rusty robot, or uh, hashtag I rode here from Kentucky. So it's I rode here from Kentucky I rode here from Kentucky on Facebook. If you if you Google that, it should link you to everything. Good um, branding. Yeah. And that, that there's a funny story behind how that. that kind of <laughs> all oh, right. I'll dude. have to save it for next time. Hey, there'll be many more. Thanks, man. It's it a pleasure, Patrick. All right. yeah, I really enjoyed, enjoyed it, man. Here. I'm glad to hear your story. Yeah. Hopefully I'll get, uh, get everything set up before it gets too dark out here.
0: All right. Thank you everybody for tuning in to this week's episode of bikes for death. And thank you to drew for taking the time and making the journey all the way to Austin, Texas. You couldn't make it a college station. That's okay. I forgive you. You know, you made it all the way this far. I guess I can go over to Austin, and interview you, whatever. <laughs> it was a good time, man. I it, That was a fun experience to get to, you know, what I did is I just, I'm only like an hour and a half from Austin. And there are so many people there with, uh, there's just so many people there, so many rad people there. Um, it occurred to me that I should really be taking advantage of that. And this was kind of the first test drive of that idea. Um, going to McKinney Falls State Park, setting up the van or death, um, camping and scheduling some interviews all to take place outside, um, either at a park bench or in the van, uh, depending on whether they're at McKinney Falls State Park. And it, it's just a great getaway. Like it, uh, there's great mountain bike trails there. Um, it's a beautiful setting, so I can kind of take a take a little trip from College Station, uh, get in a beautiful spot, and coordinate some interviews with some really cool people. Um, so it's kind of like a win-win. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, so I, I think what I'm going to try to do is make that happen once a quarter. So every four months, uh, head out to Austin and seek out some of those people who are hiding hiding in the rafters and the woodworks of the Austin architecture in the bikepacking community saying words, doing things being awesome. Speaking of awesome, want to give a quick shout out to all the people who have signed up on Patreon recently. Uh, It's been like pretty great. Actually, when you put out something for free, that is targeted towards a group of people, a community, a demographic that you are wanting to belong to and feel a part of and have that community support you and give you their damn money. I mean, it feels like really good. Now wish me luck. As I am only 10 days away from the Grand Gravel 500, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little scared. My personal life has been an absolute tornado. If you're kind of curious about my personal life, I get into a lot of that on Shifting Gears, so you can get that on Patreon. I didn't mean for that to be so entwined with my personal endeavors and my personal life. But the fact is, is that my personal life is the thing that impacts my ability to go and participate in an event like that um, the most, right? So it's been an interesting journey. And like I said, if you're interested in hearing a little bit about it, that is available over on Patreon. Otherwise, wish me luck. That race kicks off on March 19th at 5 a.m., Rain or shine, cold or wet, I will be there, and my goal for this year's race is to push myself to the limits. Um, I, I'm i not much of a racer. Um, I've only done one bikepacking ultra endurance race in my entire life, and that was the Grand Gravel 500 back in 2018. I finished in like, I don't know, it was four days and some change. Uh, It was very, very slow. I learned so much. And what's going to be interesting to me going forward into this event, I'm more experienced now. I have more knowledge. I have the benefit of having talked to some amazing athletes and ultra-endurance people uh, and just regular people who have uh, done some incredible things. So, I'm going into this event very undertrained, underprepared in terms of fitness compared to where I was two years ago. But I feel like I have a huge advantage in the knowledge and confidence and experience side of things. And, and even the, the examples, like even knowing that Sofian can go for three days straight without sleeping, like that is possible while you're riding your bike. How far can I go? It's a question mark. Nobody knows. I don't know. Uh, but I'm curious to find out. So this year, I'm not interested in finishing. Finishing would be a bonus. I want to finish. But more importantly, I want to push myself. I want to push myself to the furthest extent of my personal ability with all the crazy shit that's going on in my life right now, the limited time that I have, work, kids, family, blah, 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 right? All that considered, what is my personal limit? That's what I want to find out. I want to find out for me and I also want to find out as an exercise to grow closer to some of my guests. I very much consider myself a Cat 3 bike packer, if you would, just kind of getting my feet wet. I know a few things, but I also know I have a lot to learn. I know that there's greater distance to travel, there's higher peaks to climb. But oftentimes these days, I find myself sitting down. And having a conversation with people who are pushing the boundaries of human capability. And it occurred to me that I can't relate. I can kind of understand. I understand that you can push yourself. I understand that mental barriers are just that. There are limits in your mind that are created by yourself by previous experiences that are put in place to protect you. But the question mark still remains, what happens when you push past that? What does that look like? So that is the biggest question that I'd like to answer this year. So if you'd like to hear more about my preparation if you'd like to follow along with this event uh and get more insight to the shit show that is most certainly to ensue please do me a favor head over to patreon Uh, it's only a dollar a month or more if you want to but number one it means a lot to me it is the main way that i support this show uh and i'm trying to add extra value to you by bringing you along for my experience of the grand gravel 500 as always thank you so much for tuning in it's been a pleasure I will try to get another one out next week before I hit the race um, but if life gets crazy it might come after um, we will see how it goes but in the interim you know what to do I know what to do let's all go ride our damn
1: bikes You load up your bike, you ride away from home You could be with your friends or you could be alone You ride for a day or maybe more You just love being in the great outdoors Everything you need is strapped to your bars, Including that new pillow you got from Santa Claus And then you think, oh shit to yourself you left that super lightweight tent on the living room shelf, bikes, oh.